and welcome to episode 280 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by TK. No Jack, no AJ today. We're seizing the day on a bank holiday. Um, to be honest, I do think Jack was available, it does turn out, so I won't, I won't throw him under the bus here. Um, he just so happened to not answer at about 11 o'clock last night when we were doing some planning. AJ... I can't defend him. Uh, he knows what days the podcast on, and he's uh, coming back late from his uh, swanning down to Derby. So that's his excuse. But we will plod on, get this out nice and early. People can have this on in the garden on a nice bank holiday. How else would they spend it? Exactly. Um, if you haven't already, I would like to direct you to Friday's Movie Madness podcast. Myself, TK Keenan, we went through Football Factory and Green Street. Now, sometimes we do make the claims out here. I think we have called ourselves the, the biggest podcast in the world before. From a subjective standpoint uh, there, obviously. I do think it is genuinely the biggest deep dive on Football Factory or Green Street that you will find anywhere. I don't think that's an outlandish claim. No. I think that is absolutely spot on. I don't think anyone's... I, as we said at the time, I don't think the people directing the film <laughs> went into as much depth on it as we did. So. No, because um, I messaged uh, Brad, this written for the website before, and I tried directing him to the podcast, and I think he thought it was just going to be literally all right, one sentence on Green Street, one on Football Factory. Yeah. And I it was one hour 40 on Football Factory, I believe, <laughs> and an hour on Green Street. That's quite literally longer than Football Factory in the yeah. film. <laughs> um, he's, oh, okay. <laughs> That's not quite, what, not quite what I was expecting. Um, so, yeah, definitely give that a listen. Um, I'd say rush, but it's not going anywhere, so maybe listen to this one first. Um, news of the week this week. Not the busiest week, but it's been a strange week. Nice. So uh, I will get you straight into it. And I don't know if you've seen this. Um, an employee's unwanted birthday party has netted him $450,000 after he lodged a lawsuit against his company in Kansas, I believe. My Have God. you seen this story? No. Okay, so effectively, he must have known something was being planned and he told his work... Do not throw me a party. I, I get really anxious. I have panic attacks or whatever. Right. I don't want the stress of doing it. They went ahead and did it. And then this isn't what the lawsuit's for. Um, and he reacted badly. Right. So they did the, you didn't react well to the thing that we wanted you to react well to, despite <laughs> him telling them not to do it. And they either did the, we'd like you to leave or they sacked him. It was somewhere wow. between this. He and I know we get a lot of people suing people over here, but America is like next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From what I read, it was a pretty slam dunk case for <laughs> like the lawyer to go dismissal, through. Basically, yeah, surely. like he quite plainly, I think there was some kind of like registered correspondence of him saying, "Please don't do this." Them doing it. What were they thinking? Yeah. I don't know if it was one where they thought he was kind of like, oh, no, no, you know, you don't have to do that for me. But from his point of view, he was pretty plain, like, I don't want this. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't want I this to happen. I actively do not want this. So I've had this at other workplaces before where people have said, like, no, I, I don't I don't want you to make a fuss. I don't want you to make a fuss. And people do it anyway. And it's like, 
I don't know if you're doing this just so you have like 10 minutes away from your desk. (laughs) I always think of those things, who's winning? Because the people probably don't want to do it. And the person has obviously actively said they don't want it done for them. So who are we doing this charade for? Yeah, it's definitely just to either look like you're doing something or, as we said, just to get a bit of time away from your desk. And this one's obviously cost them a lot of money. They're definitely saying for the next person, oh, see, I'm quite happy to have a party. You're not having one now. <laughs> We're not taking any chances. Yeah, some uh, really keen new employees going to be like, do you have a lot of parties? Of <laughs> no, we don't. We do not. Um, in line with last week's uh, conversations, I have a headline here that police chased down pig alongside Texas Highway. <laughs> So the pigs listened last week and they're getting ideas. They realise that they're sprinting machines. Yeah, how... They commit the entire force to chasing a pig? How hard can it be? When I tell you after the conversations we had last week, they did actually bring in water jumps in pig racing. <laughs> so <laughs> I need to watch this. Yeah, if we got everything, um, but I just feel like they're coming to an end. I think I saw an announcement. So you've got eight seasons to go through. Eighth season is the last one, so they're going big. Okay. Um... Man admitted to hospital after rare masturbation injury. I did see this headline. Yeah, so this is one where I see it in the weeks, but it doesn't count, so I am allowed to read past the headline. <laughs> Give it a bookmark like this is perfect Monday night fodder here. Um, do you know the actual story? No, I only saw the headline. Okay, so he's a 20-year-old man from Switzerland, and he was admitted to intensive care because... He tugged so hard that his lungs actually started crunching. <laughs> that is oh, how I just. I how are you doing any physical activity that makes you do that? But yeah, certainly not for that. I don't know, like, and what much the headline says, how hard he was going or how long he'd been going for. I can only assume it's one of those where, like, I've come this far. I'm, get not this stop- I'm not stopping now. <laughs> Absolute graveyard shift, and then. I always think when you see the headlines like that, it has to be bad because I don't know at what point I admit that I am going to have to call the hospital. <laughs> like, it has to be pretty bad to yeah, get to that point. probably having to call the hospital for as long as he could. Then. Oh, okay. So, did anything bring on the breathing trouble? Nothing that I can <laughs> think of. <laughs> you, you sure? I mean, there's nothing... I would make. I was having a crafty one, but I don't see why that would do. <laughs> what time did you start? Six hours ago. Um, woman charges ten thousand per client as a professional baby namer. What? <laughs> Who the hell is paying that? <laughs> now, I feel like I could do that for nine thousand. I mean, I could do that for. A, a hundred pounds. Yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I still have for a tenner. Just no <laughs> so, problems. But apparently she goes into great detail. Like She's like, you know, that looks like an Emma or that looks like a Scott or <laughs> like, and these people, this, I'm assuming it's rich people because you can't be that transfixed on. I have to get the perfect name here where you're going to pay 10,000. You also think she's on like dangerous ground in that she's going to end up like racially profiling a kid probably she's gonna go I mean, oh, there's he looks like an Antonio to an Italian family he's like could you, we wanted a yeah. wanted an American English name actually well there's a lot that can go wrong there as well like, um, you know where people say about look if your barber doesn't have a good hair hairstyle maybe you shouldn't be trusting <laughs> him um, 
when she has a kid and she starts naming them, can you go quite as simple as a, all right, this is baby Ben, or people go, it doesn't look like a Ben to me. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she can't, she has to have a 100% record. She can't get one wrong yeah. as soon as it does. Uh, Liam Gallagher forced to apologise after threatening to kill Stefan Savage. I did see that. Yeah. Quite bad that you have to come out. Oh, that sounds bad. Quite bad that you have to come out and apologise for wishing death on someone. But oh, what's I happened feel, to the world, eh? I feel like... You can't even have a simple death threat anymore. When you put this in the like constraints of football, um, it should be a bit more... Under- I mean, it is in a week that Granite Xhaka has literally done a big interview about people wishing death threats on him. <laughs> you see, Nagelsmann said he had a lot of emails telling him to kill himself after the Bayern lost to Villarreal. Christ. <laughs> Outrageous. That's... I'm trying to think of the right way to word this. Okay. Is it more acceptable from Bayern fans who do expect to win everything? <laughs> like, at Arsenal, when... Like, when Jack is not performing well, you're almost at a point now where it's like, what were you if you're still getting angry about this, like, you might be the issue. Yeah. Whereas with Bayern, like, you're expecting to get past Villarreal. Villarreal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's... That quote from uh, Pareo post-game was so cold. Like, yeah, that was class, wasn't it? Like, so I don't good. know if he had that in the tuck, like, beforehand. Like, I've... I've not seen that quote before. I'm assuming he hasn't made it up on the spot, but very good. Sensational. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Was it sometimes you spit upwards, it lands on your own face. Very good. I don't know who doesn't know that, but it sounded great in the context. Nagelsmann didn't know it. He didn't know. Why he came out and said what he did prior to that, I have no idea. You don't take the chance. No. You don't do it. Because as far I think they tried baiting Klopp into saying similar after you drew Benfica. Yeah. It was like, okay, you've got the league to focus on. So, and in the end, he does rotate for the second leg, but you don't say it before the first no, leg. No, no. Although the one thing he did do, he moaned about, <laughs> fixture, shockingly, um, <laughs> about the Saturday after the semi-final. And he was mentioning that before we'd played okay. the quarters with Benfica, which I thought, you're tempting fate a little bit there, mate. Yeah, and as we saw with like the African Cup of Nations and just about anything else Klopp says people don't really need a second invitation to be kind of like pouncing on it. Exactly. I mean, again, it seemed a fair observation, but that's by the by. I did see, I don't know if people were almost letting Liverpool fans off for a short bit because <laughs> the heat seems to have been turned up on them, at least on my Twitter, for, I'd say, the last couple of months. I don't know if it's once you've won the league, people are kind of like, okay, there's not a lot we can say here. But in just the stuff I've seen about the fans, the stuff I've seen about chance, and even just the things like Deitch was sacked, which we're going to get to in a minute, and I saw the tweets and it was like, Klopp's now the longest reigning manager. And you get the stuff like, you know, the first thing I thought when Deitch was sacked was, how do we make this about Liverpool? <laughs> yeah, but they, uh, they're they doing that on like Liverpool fan accounts, aren't they? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, well, kind of everything is around it on those accounts. It's a bit crazy, but... I don't know if maybe it's indicative of the accounts that I've just followed in the last like six months. I was going to say potentially because I think we were getting more heat uh, around the time when people were really desperate for us not to win the league and kind of depressed it was going to happen. I was getting a lot. When when you did win it though it was a lot more um, like alright I've lost but I'm going to take my ball and go home here because it was 
oh well they're celebrating one but they haven't actually won one before yeah, in any of yeah, these yeah, fans yeah. lifetime so 100% it's, it's always it's <laughs> always moving the goalposts it's... yeah um, a headline I didn't take down was from what I saw an American happened to find like now the headline called it a nuke I don't know how like tell me it didn't go up his ass you, no no <laughs> Um, he found some kind of like abandoned like radioactive like weapon or something and then used it to like power his house for 10 years and then what? eventually they found out. Uh, but it was on that, um, have you seen those like dudes posting W's accounts right, on Twitter? Right, right. It was one of them. So I'm sure there was a lot more to it, but the thought of one, finding one of those things and two, being like, what I could do with this? This guy's ready for Fallout. He's, He's ready, ready for it. sense now. <laughs> He's going to be building a town Around his house. The last couple of months we've had, I'm sure if you did see something like fluorescent green just like glowing in your back garden, a lot of people would, you know what, I could maybe do this. For sure. Get eaten on over Christmas. <laughs> uh, so that is the news of the week. I just mentioned it. Sean Deitch was sacked this week. Now, Good Friday. Um, I saw a lot said about that. <laughs> now, almost simultaneously... I went on Twitter, left the cinema, just got on the bus and the little athletic thing popped up and I was on Twitter, but the first thing I actually saw was a tweet that said, cheating on pregnant Rihanna is crazy, but sacking Sean Deitch is insane in caps lock. And then it just happened to pop up immediately. Well, this maybe does sum up the day that we're having. Now, it says a lot about the internet that not the most creative of rumours that the designer for Rihanna's fashion label had to come out and be like, no, I have not slept with ASAP Rocky while, while my boss is pregnant. Um, it's about as creative as like kissing behind the bike sheds, which did happen to still be spread around our school for, and people believed it. So, Jesus. Uh, some of these, but yeah, this took on the whole of the internet and, I saw a combination of women posting, well, if Rihanna's getting cheated on, there's no hope for any of us. And then a selection of blokes like, I've been trying to tell you women, none of you are immune to this. This can happen to any of you. <laughs> Anybody can get it. Like, they did that with Beyonce as well, didn't they? Yeah. Like, oh, like some bloke that has been getting flack from his missus for cheating on her. It's like, it can happen to anyone. <laughs> Wasn't personal. Like, <laughs> You got a point to Rihanna, so see, come on, give me a break here. It's some bloke who is caught cheating on his missus. I'd have done it to Rihanna as well. Like, <laughs> this isn't about you. Stop Why are you taking it so personal? <laughs> um, Sean Dyche, considering the team has won, what, four games Yeah, this year, yeah. Um, it does say a lot maybe about what we think about Dyche collectively, regardless of what we see on paper, that... I don't think I saw a single person that was like, you know what, this is the right decision. I saw a couple, but it looks like being contrarian for the sake yeah. of being contrarian. Um, the, the issue with it, with the timing, I think at best it feels kind of pointless, is the thing. like, it, And it doesn't seem like they've got a plan as in someone lined up. So maybe it's not about the position in the league, or maybe it's tied in with something else. But, but it just seems odd, doesn't it? Um the Mail were reporting yesterday that they're still negotiating a 15 million payout for that. him. I mean, what the hell's his contract? Yeah. Maybe it's... Um, so the fact that they didn't do a, like a 
thank you in their statement or anything. Like, we thank you for your time. Um, I wasn't expecting them to go full Ollie and do a leaving interview. No, no. But that's strange. Like, Arsene leaving did, like, look, we thank you and I for the last yeah. two years and wish you the best for it's the future. It's pretty standard, isn't it? Let alone for someone who's been there, what, 10 years and yeah. been very good for him. I mean, the fact, Screams of a fallout, doesn't it? Yeah. Really? And then the fact that you're that unprepared that Ben Mee is This is it, because they got rid of the whole staff. Yeah, it, it kind of felt, you've had a few like this over the years, but like, uh, I don't know why the one that came to my mind. Remember when Wolves sacked Mick McCarthy? I just put, I think it was Terry Connor in, in charge for the rest of the season. I only know him because of football manager. For the, for the assistant manager, <laughs> who obviously, I don't think particularly even wanted the job. You're like, where was the planning here? You've just basically accepted your own relegation. You may as well stick with the guy who brought you here at that point. Yeah. Because I mean, Burnley haven't been as good this year. There's no getting around no. it. And the Ryan has been on the wall a little bit. So it's not like you can say, I think he probably would have left in the summer anyway for what it's worth. I think it was heading in that direction. But it's... A very strange one from the club. Great so, for him if he was going to leave. What I, nice I saw, payoff in between. Yeah, I saw a classic kind of WhatsApp screenshot that does the rounds um, as they <laughs> do with these. Now, these are sometimes more outlandish than others. Um, this one said that Sean Dyche and Big Dunk went out on the lash after the Everton <laughs> game and ended up battering a Chopsy bouncer. <laughs> Now, they're both looking at six years for GBH, and so Burnley just sacked him before it came out. <laughs> Whereas Everton are so poorly run, they're like, look, we'll let it slide. Getting a queue of criminals at our gaff, mate. Don't but worry. there's a combination of people like tagging their mates, like, look, surely this can't be real. You know, <laughs> where you, you know where you say that, and it's like, I'm not believing it. Don't think I'm believing this. <laughs> I'm asking someone else if they think it's real. <laughs> He's already done a prison stretch, so <laughs> I don't think his feet would touch the floor had, had this happened. <laughs> the fact that it doesn't get out at all, but Burnley are like, you know, what are we going to have to do? <laughs> We've got to get ahead of this, lads. <laughs> if there's one thing with our club, we're PR <laughs> concerned. Um, now, Deitch has already been pictured, I saw about 18 the, tweets the yesterday of him out in a pub in Nottingham. Uh, having the time of his life. He looked like a man who might pick up close to 15 million pounds. <laughs> One of them where he's like, it was weird, he was just buying drinks for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, that's on the club, club card. But the way I, I saw that was, there was a tweet and it was like, I don't know if people can hear this, mowing of the lawn going on there, outside the window, hopefully not too loud. Uh, Classic bank, bank, bank holiday behaviour. Yeah. Um, I think it was like the daughter of one of the coaching staff quote tweeted um, and it was like, if I know Sean Dyche, she's probably sat in the garden now saying how much she's looking forward to the summer with a sex on the beach in his hand. <laughs> and um, she quote tweeted like, yeah, I saw him earlier and this is exactly what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some guy. What a um, guy. It is one of them, isn't it? Like, even when he was a twat like against your club you kind of after the weeks passed and your team's got it out of the way you kind of could go back to liking him like the week after it yeah was yeah it's true because oh. managers in that position of the table it's you do have the whole Arsenal don't like it up them so they you do do this they you lean do try into and it, going yeah, yeah and then I did have the slightly psychotic uh insane Liverpool fan thing though when I did hear he got sacked I was like, well that serves him right for that thing <laughs> last year we're allowed to come here and try and win you know yeah. oh wow that's what you get 
<laughs> and then I had to snap out of it too. Is that like, what am I doing? I think um, it was probably quite rightfully pissed of us. There was those two years where um, the one time there was like a handball in the build-up and then you had an Alexis Penenka penalty in stoppage <laughs> time to win it. And then the year after, I think they battered us and we equalised on like 80 minutes. And then Koscielny like punched it into the net on the line on a Sunday. It's one of them where it's like, this is surely going to get called off. It's not getting called off. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, well, one of the things with him in the pub was one of the latest chapters in footballer or manager has some normality in their life. Like, What did the people think he was going to do? Just just sit at home forever? <laughs> well, even Man goes to pub. Even the stuff... Um, when there was like the press conferences during the height of COVID where it was like, oh, look, he's just one of us where he was like, look, I test before I come in and I still have to wear a mask. I don't understand why I'm still having to do it. See, he just says what we all want <laughs> to say. He's a man of the people. <laughs> and he was like... The you know, Labour Party needs men yeah. like him. <laughs> he was like, you know, all I want to do, I just, I just want to get into a pub. So I, what crisps do you, what crisps do you lads like in it? Like, this is the best bloke ever. <laughs> but the only thing with that was he, um, he then, which managers do sometimes, he then flipped it. Uh, do you remember when he was obviously stood in the snow in just his shirt? And people did overblow yeah. it a little bit. And it was, but he was just then in the press conference, like, this is a serious press conference. Why are you asking me about that? I want to talk about the football. It's like, Sean, you're talking about crisps a matter of months ago. That's, that sounds like consistency. Yeah, I do. I think there was like a first question it was like I saw you earlier I mean no jacket on and he was like oh yeah and they were like so do you like not feel the cold and he was like I mean I sat there for about 30 seconds I don't want I'm a gruff ginger man I don't feel the cold but seems pretty clear it's it's one of them where if you are interviewing Klopp and obviously he's kind of the other end of the spectrum then you are getting the tactical insight because people have the interest in it the majority of people don't have much interest in a Burnley press conference aside from what Sean Dyche is going yeah, to yeah, say yeah. outside of football. So you can kind of see why the journalists do it. It just makes you squirm when well, they when they do. But it, it does also, though. It's entirely in the manager's hands. It just depends what mood they're in. With him and Klopp, for example, you say that on different ends of the spectrum in terms of uh, level of interest involved. But if you get him in a good mood, you might have a great press conference. You get him in a bad one and they'll just go off the rails for no real reason. Well, there was that clip of them, I think it was on the opening day of this season where they won and it was like, what's this do for your title charge or whatever? And he was like fist pumping and going, come on, you're my favourite, you are. Title charge. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> so you did get a lot of good clips out of him. And I do I do hope he's in a job soon. What? The, the bizarre thing to me, and you can tell me if you're wrong, I've seen everybody say, well, he's going to have to get a championship team. So, is well, he, I think he's proven himself more than some managers in the Prem right now. So, yeah, you've seen different to me because the first tweet I saw was United should be looking at him now. 4-4-2, the classic United way, <laughs> wing play. There's been some rewriting of his style of play and that I've seen people suggesting he wasn't defensive at all. Um, they were saying he didn't. He never played a low block. He always wanted to press high. Somewhere in between, they didn't just park the bus. So someone committed a thread to that. Just did a whole like, tactical thread on yeah. it. <laughs> I think it probably is the right decision. Like you know, there was a thing where it was like Allardyce has never been relegated, and it was like well, a couple of times he's been sacked, like like a month before the end of the season, and technically he didn't take them down, but his still, f- his fingerprints are on it, and so. With Deitch, yeah. If you asked 100 Everton fans tomorrow, 
what, do you want Lampard or Deutsch next season? I don't I don't think 60 of them are saying Lampard. You reckon, I reckon they still turn their nose up at Deutsch and that's insane. But I think, I think so. I think they think they... We'll, oh, we'll get through this year and it'll be fine again <laughs> next year. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, all evidence points to that. One tweet about um, Deutsch and Dunk together in the in the dugout and people people may turn. But yeah, there's there's plenty of managers there. Um, it may be as you say, people may turn their nose up. Yeah, I think a lot. I think a lot of will, which is a bit delusional. Probably most of the bottom half. Yeah, he he may be best. Do you think he's better to take a job in the summer, or is he better to wait to say November next year, where a board owner gets? You might be right. Yeah. Yeah, you might be. Gets worried and then goes, well, you know what? He's got a proven record here, Sean Deutsch. It's in a tricky spot as well because then I saw, you know, people going, well, look, he's got links with Watford and you think, well, that's no. the last thing you want as a manager. And then it was like, oh, take the Norwich jobs up. He's just going to end up in the same spot where you're coming up, not having a lot of... They, they spent half decent money this year, actually. But again, you're, they're not going to fully commit to the Prem. No, you're better taking one of these teams that is kind of teetering on the edge of a playoff push or yeah, if, yeah, if yeah. you're going to go to the championship and I do think you're better to go to the championship than someone like Watford and that because very quickly you can get a reputation of oh, okay maybe Burnley was just a good fit for him because that's going to happen like it's unfair isn't it well, but yeah his like next move's huge it's going to be like where people suggest that Trent wouldn't be good outside <laughs> of any system other than Klopp's yeah 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 like there's just something that Klopp says that he just switches him on and he just that could just never happen for any other manager. <laughs> He's giving him the Michael Jordan uh, magic. Because <laughs> I'd say with, with Deitch in terms of if he was to come into a job next summer, maybe it's going on his reputation, but he doesn't strike me as a guy that overcomplicates it. I imagine he'd be a guy that could get results pretty quickly. One, because mm-hmm. players do seemingly want to play for him. And two, I think you could just get everyone on board pretty quick. He could do the kind of... Uh, mentality of like, it's us against them I think he'll be alright wherever he goes next it's just whether he gets itchy feet and yeah, goes somewhere it. where he shouldn't yeah yeah you just don't want to make the wrong decision it'll be interesting what, what do you think is the best team in the Premier League that would employ him that's a good question say once upon a time Prior to Vieira, I thought the Palace one made an awful lot of sense. Yes, yeah, that's a good check. Um, but obviously not now. The Vieira situation at Palace is probably going to fuck Deitch a little bit as well, whereby he's come in, he's, he's kind of done the dream really, where he's turned around the style of play, got them playing a little bit, and obviously achieving at the same time. Yeah. Which is often, a, with a lower team, is often kind of, you're presented with, you've got a choice, you can try and play a bit, but it's probably going to hit your results a bit, or you can be more solid, hard to beat, not great to watch, but you'll you'll be safe. And Vieira's obviously achieved the best of both worlds, which could... A lot of clubs might be looking, thinking, right, I can have this. And as Deitch gets shelved a little bit as a result. Not to always just twist it around that way, but I do think every time Vieira has like a big performance on like a TV game, I do think it probably isn't good for Arteta in a way, because no, no, it no, doesn't no. take people much to say, hang on a minute, look, I don't think people call him a club legend anyway. Where It's like... You are got an actual people have good faith here. with you because you played for us. And it's like, well, hang on, look, have a look at this guy. Yeah, we've got a lot more good faith in this guy, and he's doing that. I guess it helped him that Vieira had been sacked from jobs, whereas Arteta just hadn't had any other jobs. So exactly. Yeah, we hadn't seen yet. Like, if we look at the list, like 
say Villa sack Gerard tomorrow, are they turning their nose up at Dodge? Yeah, I think they would. I think they would. I think they'd consider themselves, which is great. Again, Gerard's not done an awful lot as a manager. I know he's at that spell at Rangers. Is he nailed on to just be a West Ham boss at some point down the line? <laughs> because that just feels like it fits. I think if things go pear-shaped, he can go up to try and keep him up if it all goes wrong. Yeah, I'd probably say I could see Leicester going for it if they feel like they've tried doing the expansive way and now let's be a bit more conservative. Again, I, I think they're turning those up. I think there's a lot of clubs. I'm not saying they're right to, but I think a lot of them will go, right, we're not changing from this to that. I'm not doing yeah, it. It's weird looking at it now, it, to be honest. There was a, there was a, even if the thing about Deutsche start the play is inaccurate, I think you're right. I think there's a, it's somewhere in between. It's not as bad as some have said, but it's definitely not. Yeah. We can't say yeah. it never has been defensive or negative. But as long as the perception is out there, clubs will kind of recoil a bit from him. Well, there was the rumours at one stage before they went for Chris Wood, it was Newcastle and they were going to try and uh, poach Sean Deutsch right. before Eddie Howe came in. Now, for one, Deutsch probably would have, if he'd been offered that, and I don't think he ever seriously was, at the time, he probably would have turned it down, but should have <laughs> jumped at the time. Hmm. I don't know. Um, you'd imagine Leeds are pretty settled for now. Everton, we've mentioned, we've said steer clear of Watford, Norwich. Hassan Hootel to Deutsch would feel like a jump. <laughs> so then you're probably left with Brighton if if Graham Potter went, if he if he does go. I think clubs like if they were to lose their manager, clubs like Southampton and Brighton would look at him. I don't think they've kind of got the ego that some of these no, other clubs no. have got, and I think they kinda of know where they're at and being in the league is important to them and both know that it's probably quite precarious really they could both end up slipping down the table pretty quickly I think if they lose their managers not to do a whole kind of topic on this but I did think it was weird where the narrative in the last say couple of months even with the win at the weekend has been look Graham Potter this is the guy you were all telling me was great this is the guy like he's overrated they're one win away from their best ever points tally in the league and yet his stock is maybe the lowest it's been Bizarre. Since he was at Brighton, and I don't know if that is just what we read or if it's just usually he doesn't go through a patch like he has. It's usually spread out more. But they were on a bad run prior to your game. Yeah. So and that, with reactionary as as a sort of media and as fans, so you're only as good as your last sort of run. And we've seen it with Hasenhutl. His stock has gone up and down like Bitcoin. Well, yeah, I was what last well about a month into the season, I was saying, well, I'll take Harsten Hootel. He was my number one pick to come in and yep. take over yeah, from yeah. Arteta. Now it's Deutsch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be unbelievable. S- Martinelli, Saka on either side of a 4-4-2. <laughs> we're keeping Eddie up top and we're just weghorse Neddy for the true little and large in the league 6-6 six, six and about 4-11. We insist on making them stand next to each other at all times, of course. <laughs> um, in terms of how good he actually was, so he was in charge of Burnley for nine years, 166 days. Um, Net spend in the six years since Burnley were promoted to the Premier League was sixty-four million. When you look at say, and I don't have it in front of me, what other teams in and around the area have spent, it is pretty mental. Like when we were cursing 
Mike Ashley for not spending in the Newcastle. Still spending what, like double, triple what Still got Burnley was spending? Record, yeah. And then in that time, he lost the likes of Ings, Trippier, Keane, Chris Wood. Did get yeah, decent money looked. for some of those, but never really was able to reinvest it. No. And then the last couple of years, I would say they're going in the direction almost where Bournemouth were at the end just after Eddie Howe left where the players are like, well, it makes sense for me to just see out my contracts while my stock's at its highest. And then when the club's fighting there, like Burnley are now with Tarkovsky, like it made more sense for them to keep him to the end of the season and turn down 20 million. Yeah. Because they weren't going to reinvest the cash. So... I didn't. They did knock back. Was it like a forty million from West Ham? Some before was it? Yeah. They. I, I do wonder if you take that at that West point. West Ham. Money. They went for. They went for. I can't think who it was. They went for someone else in the league. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm gonna. Say, it wasn't Michael Keane. I'm pretty sure. Was it Dunk? They may have gone for Dunk yeah, after we right. got. Ben White, maybe, and then. Yeah, and then they went in for Tarkovsky, couldn't get him, so got Craig Dawson. Because I remember their fans were like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess Spire. if you are Deitch, it's like, why why sell him when you're not going to give me any cash? And then yeah, eventually they yeah, do yeah. give him some cash. He brings in Weghorst, who, <sighs> to be honest, is probably levels above, in his career at least, than we should be at Burnley. Like yeah, he's he hasn't really looked European at what I've seen so far. Though. No, no. But his goal-scoring record Which suggests. suggested that he was better than Burnley. Uh, it's, it's ironic. It's almost not not quite because, if we said, Evan Spent, it's kind of a little bit like the Stoke situation. Where on paper, he's got Wakehorse and Cornet are as good attacking yeah, players yeah. as they've probably had at Burnley in, on paper that the entire time he's there and that's probably going to be the year to go down. Well, Cornet looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. If they go down, you imagine... Someone would try and pick him up. Now, I feel like I, I say this with a lot of players, and maybe it's just <laughs> me like projecting, but he, Corne, feels like the type of signing Spurs would make under Poch, where you get a guy, and it's kind of like what we tried doing with the likes of Ben White and Ramsdale, yeah, where it's you've got a guy coming in with no ego, clearly has the talent there and a big ceiling. Now, he's not going to have the same impact he's had at Burnley, but the way they are, they're probably not going to be able to demand that bigger fee when you go down either. This is it. I Because I was about to say, the problem with these situations are with, it used to be that the bigger clubs, and they still can bully them, but it's still, they get out to part with a decent amount of money. Same like you did with Ben White and Ramsdale. It's yeah. not that like you've got them on the cheap, you still have to pay. Yeah, yeah. And even now, often with teams that go down with the parachute payments they often get, they can kind of be, no, no, it's okay. But I think Burnley with the, I was about to say the model, but maybe they just don't have that much yeah. money. They'll probably have to sell him a little bit cheaper than they would have liked, so clubs will be circling for Well, yeah, because we had it with Ramsdale where we were paying just under 20 million up front and it can rise to 30, which you'd imagine yeah. it will do now. Yeah. Um, Richarlison joined Everton for 35 million. Wasn't it like, I think, that, but then that was rising also to 50. Rising, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because I actually always thought it was 50 until someone mentioned it the other day and then I yeah. looked. Um, and 
you get like one player a year usually where the whole summer it's like, well, they're obviously going to leave cheap. And Sander Burge was the one that springs to mind for me this year. <laughs> yeah. where he was linked with us. He was linked with United. It was, where the hell is he going to end up? And he's still at Sheffield. That might have got some serious hype. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then, what, you know, by contrast, once upon a time, that really good West Ham team that went down on 40 points or whatever got raided the following yeah. summer because they obviously got down and then everyone's, you know, it's, a, it's an exodus. Yeah. You, you it, don't really see it as much now. There is always the worry in it. I think it was easier with Newcastle where you went down, but you were still Newcastle. Like it mm. seemed a formality as it does with some that don't come straight back up. I think there was a perception that would have happened with Everton. That well, they, they would have ended up coming straight back up. Whether that was like accurate, yeah. it's a different story. Because they got, um, you know, you see these chants, like I saw Newcastle fans doing one yesterday and <laughs> it was like, uh, he could have signed for, but he said, fuck off, I'm going to where. And then it was, right. the, it was Bruno this time. He's like, he could have uh, signed for Arsenal, but he said, no, fuck that. <laughs> um, but I remember Matt Ritchie effectively had the choice of West Ham or Newcastle and he went and joined Newcastle in yeah. the championship. I don't think Burnley are going to have... No, 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 exactly. ...have that. I, right. I wish I could have seen Corne the first time <laughs> the first time he set foot in Burnley. Um, they told me this was London. Yeah. What's going on? What am I doing walking around here? But when I... The four players I named, um, Wood, Keane, Trippier, Ings, that's reverse order of the amount of money they received. They received the most money for Wood, then Michael Keane, then Trippier, then Danny Ings. Yeah, I feel bad about the Ings one. <laughs> but they got less than eight million for Trippier. Yeah, that's pretty freaking bad, isn't it? They got like twenty plus million for Michael Keane, which in hindsight <laughs> looks great. Um a year ago I think you said, Okay, that, that's okay business. Now you're like, oof. Yeah, and twenty million now isn't twenty million then either. Stock has <laughs> fallen on that man. Yeah. Oof. Um Do you have any issue with the he took Burnley to European football when they went out in the qualifying phase. Uh, no, I think that's, that's fair. Cause he, He's still know. got the finish, yeah. Yeah, that's it. The, the comment is on where they finish in the league, isn't it? Rather than yeah. how deep they went into it. That was like... Um, Spurs the one year where they had to do the qualifying and seemingly they had about eight rounds to go through. Yeah, it was great. Burnley, looking at that, I think... They went out in like the fourth, the fourth and final round of qualifying. They'd already beaten Aberdeen, I'm gonna say, Blimey. and then they beat some Turkish side, and they eventually got to Galatasaray. That is rough. Yeah. That is tough. That where Deutsch went mad because it was nil nil at half time away, and then he said the manager went into the referees dressing room wow. at half time and then they came out and I think they got two penalties in the second half and he said I don't know what they said but they definitely intimidated him that doesn't look good Deutsch made me think I oh, should have thought that I'm a big bloke myself <laughs> yeah tough one for the ref there you've got Deutsch in one corner yeah. Galatasaray in the but other all, all week when you're seeing the look, he took them into the Europa League I was I had to go back and like check yeah <laughs> yeah it does feel a bit sketchy doesn't it oh look he's there yeah he's is an interesting one though. No matter who Burnley get, it's a, it's a rough gig. Like I saw a tweet, and at first I laughed, and it was like they've sacked their Wenger. Like, yeah, yeah, it's true. And yeah, whoever comes in next has a horrible time. Yeah, maybe Ben Mee gets it permanently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
you, you wonder as well, is the next person going to go, right, there's this perception of Burnley, we're going to flip that and we're going to try and become a footballing team and, and that's a, a dangerous game. It's, it's hard to a do. A few managers have tried that at West Brom, haven't they, where they've tried being like... Yeah. I saw um, a headline this weekend where Steve Bruce is telling like a load of the star players, like, you need to move into the West Bromwich area. Like, you live too far away. And the player's like, fuck that, I'm moving to <laughs> But he, he named and he said that a, a large number of the coaching staff and the players live over an hour away from the training ground. And so it's just a nightmare every day. He says he names. He, he didn't name the right, players. He just say, he said there's like a number of players that just live too far away. And he's told them they have to move. That's it, yeah. I feel like, he's not going to be long for that job anyway. So. I was like, I feel like you're a player there. You say, oh, we'll wait this one oh, out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Luca Dina probably could have, oh, I'll wait this one out. Maybe he thought, you know, Villa's actually, that's maybe you're doing me a favour here, <laughs> sending me away. Um, the only thing I've, I've, I've just thought of that could be great, maybe like don't give Dyke your job and get him in the punditry for the World Cup because I feel like that could be fantastic having him funny you say that I did see someone post saying I can already see the amount of tweets talking about Deitch getting sunburned in Qatar because he's, <laughs> he's on punditry I was like yeah I can see it him and Keane is like it's just such a breath of fresh air when you've got two blokes that keep it refreshingly honest <laughs> you would potentially have that thing of uh, trying to do each other <laughs> I don't think Deitch would be that outrageous though I think it'd, it'd be just kind of funny yeah well like you had that with um Soonest and Keen for a while, didn't you? And then they both kind of had that mutual like. There is a yeah. When um when they had for the World Cup when they had and they'd obviously worked together, so it helped with the chemistry. They had Martin O'Neill and Roy on, hilarious because they were just battering players. <laughs> and Martin O'Neill does it slightly more. Uh, he's got obviously a quiet, softer tone, but he does just as bad as Roy. Yeah, he just yeah. let seems less brutal. It's Incredible. Weird. Some of the players you've got pop up there like um. When Andros Townsend went down injured in whatever game it was earlier this season, and whoever was on commentary, I think it might have been the FA Cup he went down in actually, and the commentator was like, "Look, fantastic guy. We had him in the studio with us in 2014, and <laughs> I saw the dedication he had. He was he wasn't going to the beach, and it was like, what does this even mean? <laughs> <laughs> A dedicated pundit." Um, there we go. If we move on, then we had the FA Cup semi-finals this weekend and we'll talk about the Premier League slightly after. I'll have to defer to you slightly here. I tweeted in the week, I was quite gutted when I saw the kickoff time and it's still baffling to me. I don't know if there was a curfew on Wembley or something because 3.30 on a Saturday was just weird. Bizarre. But it was horrible because no matter how much I wanted to watch Liverpool City, and trust me, I really did want to watch yeah, Liverpool City, it's just one of them like, I was never going to be able to not concentrate on the Arsenal game. And in some bizarre world where we were like 4-0 up at, after you 20 minutes, so I could out. just mute that and have the TV on. Um, it it just wasn't happening. Uh, so, Yeah, it's a tough afternoon for you. <laughs> yeah, so I was I was kind of in and out. There was a point where I was kind of going back and forth. I've seen all the goals, yeah, yeah. Uh, but perhaps didn't have the same level of reading the game as you would have. Um which is why I do want to ask, Klopp said that that first half was probably the best you've ever played. Yeah, that seems a little yeah outlandish. Because I saw a couple of others saying it as well, and I, of course, was kind of in and out. Now, 
it could have been the best half you've ever played and we're going to slightly take that away from you because of the Stefan mistake. Yeah. Like yeah, people yeah. will say, well, it wasn't just that they played great. It was, they had a bit of a help in hand, but I don't know how you put your performance in the first half. We, we were obviously good. It was kind of the polar opposite to the weekend prior where you thought we could have been out of it yeah. by the first 45. And we, I thought, had City basically out of it in this 45 and it turns out they weren't quite. Um, no, we were good and they weren't great. They looked like a team that had made changes. But to say it's the best we've played, I guess the pushback I'd give on that, we had a goal from a corner, a goal from obviously a shocker of a mistake. And then the third goal was a really nice goal but the keeper arguably probably should do slightly better on as well. So, as good as we were, we've probably had halves where we've been really good and scored better goals. Yeah. I've just closed the less window. given to us, if you yeah. will. In case anyone could have that lawn mow. I don't know how long it takes to mow that lawn. I know... Yeah, how big's that garden? Uh, yeah, I was about, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> I know that garden is not that big. So I don't know what was going on there. Um, I saw Pep getting some stick for playing Zach Steffen. Now, some of it from Liverpool fans saying, look, it was... They disrespected us, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and it was... I didn't feel much different to me to um, Klopp playing Kelleher in nope, the cup final. No, no, like, no. You've got your keeper. Now, I could, well, I suppose I know Yovi, who obviously he's been on the podcast, said, no, it's Pep's ego making that, that decision. It was this and that. And he said, because when Klopp knew we had a big game in the... Carabao semi-final he played Allison, whereas from my memory it was Allison had had COVID slash an injury and he said he basically was using the cup game to get him fit for the league running because that right. was more important so, he does play Keller in the final that's what so, I mean, I mean yeah. that's, that's my point yeah, that so, doesn't it, even hit back out, yeah, so it, it wasn't a case of with all due respect Chelsea's yeah. a harder game than Arsenal anyway yeah. and it's the final so it wasn't that he was playing Allison because we're a big game was literally because the league was more important. Now, I don't know how much the FA Cup means to Pep. I imagine beating Liverpool probably would have meant more. Sure. You can correct me if I'm wrong and I've remembered it differently here. So, I remember Pep being weird before they played Chelsea uh, in the Champions League final last season. I think they had a league game right at the end of the season and his team selection was really odd. Almost like he didn't want to give something away for the run-in and they'd still win the game anyway. They won it 1-0 with a late goal. Yeah, I don't know if there was anything there. I know injuries forced his hand a little bit. We don't know how fit De Bruyne was. Mm. Um, do you think there's anything in that? Like maybe he thinks that you could be playing each other again in the final of the Champions League. Is it that I've just had these two injuries and he's got spooked and he's like, look, I'm not risking that for the league. Probably, yeah. I feel, I'd say probably a little bit more of that. Um, I think some of it was natural rotation he was always going to do. And I guess there's a certain extent we can't say how good the squad is and how good he is at rotating. And then the first time they lose when he rotates, yeah. go, well, what is he doing? Um, I think, yeah, two changes because of injury, aren't they? Walker and De Bruyne out because of injury. So that, so that takes you down. If you take, he made three changes based on something outside of fitness. I don't think that's too radical. We've made changes for similar amounts. Yeah. So I, I don't see that it was a huge fit. I just think they started slow and I think that probably testament to them how they responded in the second half because most teams 
we'll either fold entirely or just go right we'll take the free nil here and make sure it's not embarrassing yeah we we go and um, we're very different to Man City <laughs> we go a goal down to Liverpool it's okay we'll hope for the best you go two down and it's like yeah that's make sure this doesn't get out yeah, of hand that's that's the game yeah. done there City obviously have have a lot more uh, that they can do um, did you think City played particularly bad or was it a case of you played very well first half I thought they were horrible um, there was just a lack of intensity and urgency. To be fair, whether out the, they obviously had a harder midweek game than us. I know ours ended up being a goal fest. Yeah. But we'd rotated a little bit and by getting some goals, uh, rattling a couple of goals early on, they probably felt for most game that we were through. And then obviously it started getting a bit squeaky yeah. bum with some of their disallowed goals as well, Benfica in the week. Probably started getting a bit more nervous. Um, whereas City had had a kind of battle really. Yeah. And I thought they yeah. looked like a team that, uh, not to go to psychoanalysis, probably looked like sort of a bit mentally tired from it as much as physically and probably having to get yourselves back up for another big game was probably a bit like hard work. Now, this will probably help fuel them a little bit at the feet. Yeah. They, they normally respond well. Yeah. And I imagine they'll probably take it out on the next few teams they've well, got. Yeah. Which is, is a, a handy run if you do want to get back on the horse, the, the games they've got coming up. I've always said that... Uh, people are always happy when Liverpool have lost until you've got them the game after. And it's <laughs> off, like, um, with uh, the absences that they had, Carl Walker, I would maybe compare to Henderson in that he doesn't get that much credit until he's out for Liverpool. And then people are saying, well, Henderson was missing. So like, yes, yeah. it's, it's, that's a big miss there. Because The only being as ever, Cancelo was shit up. <laughs> he's an unbelievable player. Yeah. It does help few, that you can shove him on the other side as well, Cancelo now. They're very lucky that they've I, been able to I do I was going to say the other day, what a mad period it looks when he couldn't get a look in. Yeah. What a fucking insane period of time that looks now. I mean, it looks insane now that they got him for what, like 23 million or something freakish like that? Mad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, you know, Mares again, for large periods, hasn't been able to get a look in. You're like, this is just madness. And what other team can you say oh, this about? Um, I feel like I'm keep relaying it back to us but I'm so good we couldn't get him over the line where Wenger says like we had the deal done and then Leicester were like you know hang on a minute you were going to have him for another season that's like, depressing yeah he's like, depressing like he and that's why he kind of he kind of sulked the season after didn't he and yeah. then I don't think I don't know who we went when and got or maybe maybe when we went for Thomas Lamar and then the ball like hang on a minute we've, you, <laughs> we ain't giving you any money after that um <laughs> Who's now kind of reborn as like a playing as an eight? Yeah, yeah, really good in that yeah. role as well. For <laughs> yeah, that, actually, yeah. Um, Tiago, now you messaged me during the game there. Maybe one that's not aging particularly well for me. <laughs> I mean, maybe uh, no one's come out yet in the Premier League and said that they listen to the podcast. But I feel like we've had enough evidence with <laughs> the like, De Bruyne uh, since I said that. Uh, he disappears in big games. Loftus Cheek this weekend. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. listen to bad news for you. You've got Lukaku coming up. Yeah. <laughs> and so, Thiago, I know you are particularly impressed uh, with him. I thought he probably should have been man of the match. I know um, Mane and Diaz were a constant threat, so you couldn't argue with either of them getting it too much. But I thought he was just unbelievable. Um, and when he's on it like that, gives everything that people thought he was bringing to that midfield something different in terms of the the progressive passes he can make, he can sort of break lines in a way that our other midfielders, while they're really good, aren't able to do. And it just gives you a whole different dynamic. Mane, when you 
consider um I think we've both had conversations about him being shot to bits and he I think you and Sean both declared him totally shot, I washed think, up. I think you I think you slightly agreed. I was yeah, I wouldn't say I was fully in, but I wasn't far off. He's second favourite for the Ballon d'Or <laughs> currently. I think Blimey. AFCON helps. Salah's drop off in form helps. And I guess you think I guess the thinking is if he adds a Premier League or Champions League to the African Cup of Nations. Mm. Yeah. I don't know how good he's been this year. I don't know how good <laughs> he's well, been that's, this that's season. That's something I was going to ask because, yeah, if you go Yeah, out that it. seems wild. Um, that would feel very uh, Jorginho-esque almost. <laughs> where you, I know he's got these trophies. I don't know that he necessarily deserves this. Yeah, I was just going to have a look um, and see if I could get the actual odds, but no, Benzema's kind of the wide-out in-front favourite currently. Yeah, doing well for Ramajid will do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's maybe someone, I think it's maybe Mbappe and then, and then like Mane. I, I know he's in bad form. I think Salah probably does every right to go, hang on a minute, what is, <laughs> how short are people's memories here? Yeah. I, having said that, having watched watched the game, it was a funny thing where if you look at earlier in the season, our form was very up and down, but Salah could kind of carry you through it. Now it's kind of funny that probably every aspect of the team is working at full capacity other than Salah, who's being dragged along a yeah. little bit. It's a, a weird irony. It's it's not a bad position to be in when Salah can be off form. You'd rather it was that way around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you take it, don't you? And you hope at some point he can pick it back up. A, a goal out of nowhere, or he should have scored obviously at the weekend. Yeah. Um, a goal out of nowhere could hopefully shoot him back into action. It seems we're just going to play him until he does, we're yeah, just going to yeah, keep throwing him out It's the there. right way to do, I think, because... You don't um, want to kill him. No, and we, we've seen a player of his quality obviously does have an ego. Mm. And you obviously, they're very sensitive players at that. I feel taking him out, even for a game, does more harm Agreed, than Agreed, especially a big, big because game. Because he's probably thinking then, for all I've done... Yeah, um, yeah. And then Particularly you, if you're trying to get him to sign a new deal. Yeah. Uh, that becomes tricky. And I don't, you know... He's not playing bad to the point where you know, get you think, this guy off the pitch. Yeah, you can get him out of there. And it's, it's a weird thing. As good as our other options are, like we had Jotter and Firmino at the bench at that point. If you said you had to bring one of those on for him, I don't know that you go, oh, right, we've sorted ourselves out now. No. As good as you know, both of those players are. I wouldn't compare his dip currently to like Kane earlier in the season. No, no, maybe no. that's because no. you've got more to carry the load when... He's not firing, but something that you could never say against him was his consistency for the last, what, like six years, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So he probably was owed two months of Yeah, of yeah it doesn't seem unfair. Still top goal scorer. Yeah, it's, oh, it's so. not one of them where you're looking at him like, is this him? Like He wasn't a purple patch and he's suddenly gone off the boil. No, no, exactly. There's enough evidence in his favour. Yeah. Um, with Zach Steffen so he's obviously got a lot of flack it's, he's had why didn't you just boot it out whereas from the other side and I haven't seen Pep be particularly critical of him if he has any dreams of becoming the city number one which I imagine at his age he does at least think about that yep. you kind of do more harm to yourself if you do just hoof it there than if you try and do what you're doing because yeah. I, I'm sure 
Joe Hart isn't forgotten around City. <laughs> and so it's kind of, well, you had it with Alisson, didn't you? Where And I know you've spoken a bit about his technical ability recently. Like That shouldn't be compared to Edison. No. But I think it was after the Man City game last season where he had like the howler of howlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we kind of said, if you're going to play the way you play, you every, kind of have to accept when it goes wrong. Every now and again, that's going to happen, yeah. And so Stefan's doing it far less regularly as well, so... And it really is a game of inches if you consider Edison very nearly ends up in that same spot yeah. against us the weekend before. Now, you can obviously flip that argument and go, well, that just shows how good he is yeah. or how composed he is. But as Gary, uh, it was Gary Lineker, I think, pointed out, said, if Jota dives in like Mane does on that Edison one, does the same thing happen there? Yeah. He might be right. I don't like thinking about that because I don't want to think yeah. he could have won that game. But... Um, yeah, potentially. So maybe Stefan was just unlucky that Mane took the, the gamble and dived. Yeah. Seeing Pep speaking about um, Edison after that one, he's, like, he's a freak. Like, <laughs> like, he, just, he, he doesn't have fear. Like It's it's just bizarre. He is a bit of the ball that he is just freakish. There's no getting around it. Yeah, now Chelsea in the other semi-final. Um, By the way, just last yeah. thing on that Liverpool yeah. City game. Liverpool is the height of what a team can do whilst having no idea how to manage a game. <laughs> it's the height of how good a team can be whilst having either zero understanding of game management or just zero will to take part in it. I have no idea what they were doing in the second half. Just Even towards the end, with there was a couple of chances with Salah and Firmino. Neither in prolific. I thought Firmino's actually in okay form, actually. I take that back. Salah's not in great form. Firmino's Firmino. Both go for goal. Neither go for goal in the corner. Both miss. Yeah. I, I've never had a problem with you going for goal, but you have to score in that situation because otherwise you've been a big burden on your team. We nearly fucked it. Well, Any time you have something like that, it's kind of laughed. Oh, that was old clock coming back out. And it's like, well, maybe we should think about it. Yeah. <laughs> we go yeah, yeah. a bit closer. Yeah. What about our situation? Goes, you know what? Let's go back to playing how we were when we were changing for fourth. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the other semi-final, then Chelsea beat Palace in what was a fairly Oof. dull by game. contrast, yeah. Oof. Now, I saw some fans on my timeline say, "Well, this is annoying." Vieira set set out to just go and bully Arsenal. He didn't try that with Chelsea. Like, Maybe think about why that is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. infinitely easier to bully than than Chelsea are. Do you think there was a chance of overthinking it in the changing of the formation to match up Chelsea or when you see the first half performance is it a case of as we always say when you play like that you you have to get the goal to show for it rather than it being a mistake in when you see the full time score it's probably fair we're probably revising because they ended up losing but if you look at obviously you kept it tight for the first half decent bit into the second half before Loftus-Cheek does get that goal all they've got to do is obviously nick it on. You'd say, right, he's played it to perfection. It's tricky because obviously we probably just wanted to see a good game in that semi-final, so I would have liked them to come out and just try and play. Yeah. Uh, I think there's potentially a little bit of a missed opportunity there, though. I thought they could have got at Chelsea a bit more and shown a bit more ambition, if I'm honest. Yeah, I'm just looking at the team. I don't know um, if there was any issues with fitness for anyone involved. Um, Elise obviously was on the bench came off as they started on this occasion and that's not a bad person to have uh, bad options starting um it felt like Chelsea were pretty well aware that if you can shut down Zahar then you go a, a very long way but I thought probably the completely. way Palace set up the way they played meant that that was what Chelsea had to do it's kind of not exactly the old Palace under Roy that's that'd be a bit over a bit harsh but 
kind of that was the the thing at that point was if we shut down Zahar, they don't have another threat. And the whole thing with Palace issue has been they've got threat all over the place. As a at least they obviously a, num- a lot. A number of times they did just get the final ball wrong. There was times when Zahar could have gone in and yeah, I yeah, think yeah. maybe in the second half they could have done more with where's Zahar and we'll see if he can open something up because sure. even if they just kind of charge towards him. Yeah, keep getting Jordan Ayew on the ball is not the, the yeah, way to go about it. Reese James is obviously very good, but once you've got behind him, you've got Azpilicueta there and it's yep. like, that should be you licking your lips at that because Zahar, that's not out of the realms of his game to go and batter Reese James. Like he has days he's where got he's that just in him, yeah. like, yeah, freakish. Every James will want to get forward. Yeah, and even if you just switch your sides, like there was when uh, on the Monday night game when Tavares was there. Now it's probably for the winger is on that side. But, oh, come on, but Zahar quite rightfully said, "Get over here, I'm going at him." Yeah, and I don't know if they, they should yeah. a bit more of that. Should Maybe have probably looked at that more. Yeah, too disciplined. Or at least say on sooner. I know I'm a big fan of his anyway. Yeah. But bringing him on just after seventy minutes, I think. I think it was they, one or two goes down at that point. You kind of the game's already away from you. Was there any part where where they've gone one nil down and it's like, well, look, we had a great run, we got to Wembley. Yeah, yeah, I think you start going, we've had a good day out, which is is not how you'd want to think about it, but potentially seeps in. Having said that, they had that Anderson chance with the header, they is as good them. as you'll ever have, and another header. I can't remember who it was. Was it Gurhi? Someone else? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, which are a couple of really good chances that they'll think they may on another day we take those. The stall out when. Um, Anderson missed the one that was ultimately offside, but he's got like an open goal yeah, to just yeah. blast across and he I think he hits the outside of the post. For balance, I'm sure Chelsea would probably look at, well, Lukaku, I mean, how does he not score that one? Yeah, Lukaku may, may be the, the new stinky one. I mean, his only good game this, <laughs> this season has been, well, he had the one against us and then he had... Uh, Villa at Christmas in the second half where he kind of just he bullied and he got the winner right at the end yeah. of the game I saw a headline of uh, Tuchel going that Lukaku could learn from Werner I was like I think that's the last one he should learn from <laughs> last thing he but no I, I know what he means in terms of how he's he got man of match the weekend didn't he, I what, think, he so he's turned around he's, he was great in the Champions League as well he's playing well it might never be prolific but if he can add some goals in to the rest of his play he's a useful player is he what they thought they were getting probably not but still a useful no, the player the way he's playing now is I think kind of why we all had him earmarked as a Liverpool player just yeah. because yeah. he's creating so much and he's he's, he's just a pest yeah. and, that, and that's what he's been getting by doing so him on that side he does pretty much everything perfect yesterday to put Lukaku in and he's got to be thinking as much as you need the goals, I I need the numbers on yeah, yeah, my yeah. stat sheet as well, and he's let him down a couple of times. Like Chelsea do look far happier when they've got Kai Havertz in there. Yeah, and yeah, Tuchel said this week yeah. he still doesn't really know like what position he is. Havertz, um, yeah, right. I think he called him like maybe like a uh, half nine or something <laughs> like that, which he he can do the lot. To be fair, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, they're perhaps doing what you said with Salah where you're just going to keep playing him. They did try that briefly with Lukaku and then give up <laughs> in the way where you say there isn't anyone you're looking at that you can immediately say, well, he's going to do a better job. Chelsea do have that. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, look, he, he is proving to do a better job. I think Tuchel's constantly looking at it thinking, well, look, I had success with this team without him last year. We're playing worse with him. Pretty simple equation. Yeah. Take him out. Weird that you can like, not that he was doing bad, bad before that, but 
then you can like turn your career around in a Champions League final is pretty like not bad. Bad habits. Not bad. Um, yeah, he he's very good. Um, if there was a thing where they did just go and they had to have a fire sale, like he'd be the first player in that team that I'd be like, please. Yeah, yeah, probably right. Um, and then Reese James, we do need a good backup right back. <laughs> there isn't really much more to say on that Chelsea game, is there? It's, no, no. It was it was a win win, which a couple of us said yesterday, where it was like, look, Chelsea go out in a semi final and we get a Palace win, or speak for yourselves, yeah, or <laughs> we or we get a good final, yeah. Because um, it reminded me of um, when Villa got to the semi final against Liverpool, and it was kind of teed up to be the Liverpool Arsenal final, Gerrard's last game, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then. Grealish had like the game of his life and was like, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. And so there was a point where it, it's a bit different, isn't it? Um, I don't think there's anyone that Liverpool see and they're like, well, we don't want to draw them. We don't want to be playing them. No. Whereas no. Chelsea, to be fair, alongside City, Chelsea do seem to give you a pretty rough Time in- they're a hard team to play. They're a hard team to play on their on their worst day. They're a hard team to play, and style wise, they're a good. The way you play, they're a tough match for us. Yeah. <laughs> they, they and um, two two teams and two managers that know each other pretty well. That that league cup because of our city games, I think it probably gets overlooked, and because there wasn't goals in it. I forget how good the league cup final was in terms of a game. It was, people were saying like this is like as good a nil nil as I've ever seen. Yeah, I think where we point at the game you've just had in the Premier League where it's like the, the quality that we've seen here. Yeah. Um, it's been fantastic where the League Cup was kind of like, well, these are two teams that really aren't playing that well. They're kind of taking each other down to a level while playing, and which is some of the best games you can see it's as true. well. true. Yeah, yeah. Because um, on, on another day, that could have been Chelsea take all their chances, Liverpool take all their chances, yeah. and we're saying, oh, that's a bit... Yeah, one but, of them didn't turn up. The other thing about you've kind of touched on maybe more extreme than I'm going to say here but the thing with Chelsea is when they are playing well is it's probably not the best game yeah, yeah. is there you know they're effective it, it is great and I saw some fans outside of the big four as you'd say kind of whinging on Twitter I think it was like 28 of the last 30 leagues have been see, won yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it is great quite a letdown when you get to FA Cup final day and it is like Watford in the final and it's like well especially if it's City on the other half of the question because yeah. you don't have any doubt no. I think with another team I think so, so for example and this is going to be me uh, as a fan being extra pessimist I do think Liverpool Palace would still have some merit to it in terms of you go I think every team has a chance against Liverpool because they're always going to give you chances yeah. it's just a case of if you can take them and teams more often than not don't and we kind of get away with it a little bit and you would go well look Pretty simple equation. Liverpool will play a high line. You've got to get Zahar and Eze or Elise in yeah. X amount of times and you might. And the way football is, if the quadruple was on per se, it would probably be about right that Palace end it. There's just something about yeah. the irony <laughs> of football, isn't it, that that would happen. So I think there is something to it, but you are... The flip side to the argument with how often you know the big teams get to the FA Cup finals, any time that doesn't happen, they go, wow, the tournament isn't being taken seriously yeah, and they've undermined yeah. the whole thing, doesn't it? So we're basically just looking for reasons to moan either yeah. way. Yeah, because a lot of the finals that a lot of people would complain about have been all right from my perspective because it's been Arsenal-Hull, Arsenal-Villa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you take that. And and so 
as Arsenal fans, you're kind of like, oh, well, this is risky, and the whole one, obviously, yeah, <laughs> nearly did yeah. go the other way. But um, for, as if you're a fan of anyone else, it was like, I was going in, and I assume most were like, Arsenal are going to win today, but we'll tune in just on the off chance it yeah. goes Yeah, yeah, you're hoping that Arsenal might fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a... um, if we loop back around, we'll maybe talk about the Champions League after. So we spoke about Brighton earlier, um, beat Arsenal last weekend, which we spoke about, beat Spurs this weekend. Cause carnage. Yeah. I was actually more resigned to what was going to happen in the Arsenal game after Spurs lost because <laughs> it used to be like United would lose and then you'd know, oh, I know what's going to happen here. Yeah. I've said plenty of times, I laughed at them getting battered by Everton then we went and lost to Palace. <laughs> that one, that's a good one. Yeah. So, <laughs> it, it was rough. I thought, I say this like I didn't laugh at them Losing six two or whatever, I said. Then yeah. literally the same <laughs> afternoon, watch us get battered seven one. Jesus. Um, with that, and what I said on Monday about Spurs, where it was like everyone just kind of forgot how to play them. Mm-hmm. Brighton, Brighton didn't. No, no, and they got in tight to Kane when he tried kind of fluffing about in like eighteen yards out. It was they were probably the side that was going to feel hard done by if they didn't come out of the game with three points, which Potter's usually quite reserved. Right. And his interview after, I don't know if you saw it, um, he was talking about what Brighton deserved a lot and usually doesn't do that because when you look at their XG, obviously he'd be doing that every week. Yeah. But he said something along the lines of, um, we got what we deserved in this game pretty, pretty much. We played well enough that we should have got three points. Oh, it's good that he was bullish. Yeah, I only saw the highlights of which there weren't that many. No. Um, sounded like it was a, a shocker of a game. I thought it looked like Spurs from earlier in the year where they all just looked a bit lethargic. Yeah. I thought Kane in particular, obviously, and I know they've had a big thing in fact he went to the Masters. I didn't even think about that. So, actually. yeah, so obviously he's flown out there. I think also did a round. Could be something or nothing, but it doesn't well, look good a, when you don't perform the following weekend. Show, actually, because I know that a lot of teams didn't play this weekend or some of the teams obviously had games called off because of the FA Cup so when I saw him go over there I kind of just assumed they weren't playing this weekend yeah. and then obviously I saw even worse probably that it's a midday kickoff when you're about how managers say how different it is yep. yeah not a great look he'd probably say on oh, another day we even if it's nil nil, they probably doesn't get set. It's the age old, yeah, and the age old thing of you know players got have their own lives and stuff. And I guess he might hypothetically say, "Well, it's like an international break." Now, international break normally is going to be a short haul flight. He's going to America. This is essentially yeah, like yeah. going and playing for Brazil and coming back, which players do and do it okay. So it's not at the realms of possibility. But we, we do also say if they have a bad game that weekend, it's like, well, to be fair, they were yeah. flying. Yeah, there's a jet lag or whatever. And the way he looked, you, you'd probably line it up with that. And Even if, just from a PR point of view, you'd go, this doesn't look good if I have a shocker yeah. on my first game back. Yeah, it's... That Brighton team's so hard because there's a lot of players in there where I, I still feel like I don't really know how good you are. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. I don't know how good Trossard is. He's a tricky one. He, I think he's a, a really good player, but often it's not going to reflect in numbers or whatever and you're going to be uh, this is going to I don't know if this is going to sound critical he could end up 
being like he is now where he's a good player or he could end up being an Almiron. Yeah. Where he's got something there, but it's just not quite happening for him. Well, his best moments this season have been against you, where he was unreal. <laughs> he was yeah. unreal that day, and then the composure in stoppage time of the game to do that cut inside, outside of the boot, across the keeper into the corner. No, I, I do think he's technically a really good player, but but prob- but he gets in the Brighton, he gets in the Belgium squads as well, doesn't he? And yeah. For all we say about their talent and things, he. He's not looking out of place. Yeah, I just, I think well, he's probably... Chadley was getting in there as well. Yeah, that was an odd <laughs> golden generation, but Chadley's getting in the game. Um, I think he'll probably always be, though, um, someone who's technically really good but inconsistent is probably his career, if I was having a guess. Yeah, and then I was Arsenal go to Southampton, and I said last week, as soon as I, if they'd lost 2-0, I'd have felt better about it than them losing 6-0. It's like, they this happened. They went on a run last time, didn't they? After the nine nils, they've like they then yeah, yeah. They back. always respond well. It's a weird thing. I mean, it's like they have to get out their system. Right? Yeah. Like, let's have a shocker, and then we can go again. You might, I say, that's probably better to do. Like, get, yeah, get, yeah, get out of the way now. And then the fact that we don't really score goals doesn't help. Um, yeah, once we, you go goal down, just it's a huge concern. We still don't really know what's happening with Lacazette. So I think around Wednesday, when Arsenal put out the training pictures, usually. And I saw some things about that. There's no sight of Lacazette there. There's no mention of him being in, but he's also not on the injury report, which Arsenal have sometimes put out somewhat having. If we're playing Chelsea, usually they don't do one. If we're playing Spurs, they don't do one. Right. Because I guess they don't want to do it. Like Tommy asked you, they were very vague because I think you don't want to create unrealistic expectations and you don't want doom and gloom around. Fair enough. Um, I just think that was a bit... um it was odd. I had no real perception yeah. of how long or short he was going to be out for, but yeah, probably by design. I think part of it, they didn't yeah. really know. Yeah. Um, and so, then it got to Friday, I guess, when he had his press conference and he said something along the lines of, um, he wasn't at liberty to discuss why he hadn't been in training. And then he said, so, does that mean he can't, he's not going to be playing at the weekend. And he said, um, I would say there's still a good chance that you see him. But then he wasn't in the squad. Yeah, And there's nothing been said. And now, I don't think it's quite the Lukaku interview to the Italian press, but a lot of quotes did come out at the weekend that he'd done with um, that Canal Plus. Yep. And he'd spoken about he, he said he's speaking to lots and lots of clubs ahead of the summer, which he's in, in his means to do when yeah, we haven't yeah. offered him a deal. But when you look at, say, Mbappe, he's pretty much done the look. I'm not speak, I'm not saying anything now. And I imagine he's got more offers on the table than... I would imagine. Yeah. Lacazette yeah. has. Um, and we've just we've seen it with a lot of others. You look at the flack that some players got... Um, when they come into an end and you say Look, you're down in tools and something that wasn't held against Lacazette earlier in the season was Look, he's still putting his all in his contract year and all of this. Now, some of the quotes he said, uh, he's not ruling out a move to anyone. He said he's open to going to Leon, but they have to make an offer. But is that, is that before? Yeah. yeah and that all us who is quite outspoken anyway, said in yeah. like December that they'd love to bring him back. They kind of want to get a lot of these 
older players that they let go and do a somewhat kind of reunion at Leon is seems to be what interesting what they're saying. Um, See if they can dig Michael Essien out of retirement. Yeah, and it, when he said, "I want to play in Europe," it's been a long time since I've played in the Champions League, and I've been missing it. <laughs> It's a little more complicated. Nothing's you hear the shift in tone in your voice. Yeah? yeah, nothing's impossible in life. And it is a little bit more complicated. And then some of the other things he said, and he's speaking about um, how he wishes he won more trophies with Leon. And he said, because, look, I scored a lot of goals there, but I'd rather score one goal a season and win a trophy. And it's like, well, I'm sure you would. Um, As it is, you're scoring no goals yeah. and not winning any. And I I don't know if maybe they've got wind of a conversation he's had with another club. It may be something as simple as he was ill, or but usually you'd say he's under the weather. Even if you don't want to say it's COVID, you say it's an illness. It's not COVID related. Yeah, yeah. There's something there's something a bit strange there. And then there's like a probably the most prominent Arsenal podcast this week, Ask Blog. Ian Wright went on there as a guest. Right. And he didn't go on there to kind of promote anything. He effectively went on like, I've got some things to get off my chest. I can't speak how I would on like he say he, on the BBC. he moaned on there like you don't get enough time on match of the day to really go in depth yeah, on yeah. anything. And it was like thirty seven minutes long and it was he was ranting about um Tavares and you don't want to see Jack playing at left back, but you've. If I'm at the club and I see a midfielder get put in his position, I'm assuming you're not playing for the club. Like you've clearly been told, yeah. Yeah. and maybe it's not just about his performances. They're obviously seeing something in training. Like we can't trust this kid when we're trying to go for top four, and they mention Lacazette scoring goals, and he kind of moans about him and says. Well, if he's not scoring goals, you look at someone like Erdegaard and he says, it's easy to say the system's been figured out, but I would look at the players I have and perhaps it's someone in my midfield where suddenly other teams have said, look, I need to close him down because he's the one doing it. He's like, well, don't fucking let him close you down (laughs) or you beat the man. It's If we're being honest... We're constantly trying to close him down. We're constantly trying to stop them. Every team was lining up against Patrick Vieira or Thierry Henry and saying, I need to stop him. They didn't let you stop them. Yeah. So if you're going to be a good player, that's what you got to do. Yeah. He mentions Nketiah and he says, I don't know what the fuck's going on with him. I think someone did a quote of uh, how many times he'd sworn during the podcast because <laughs> he, was, he was on one. He was on it. He said, I knew when I was at Palace, I was just begging give me one fucking opportunity and I'm going to make sure I'm never out of the team again. I'm going to score. Yep. And he's like, I look at him, he's a 22-year-old kid and he comes on for Arsenal. He has a bit of a runabout, but he got a fucking... He's yeah, like, he you've got a guy in front of you who's not scoring goals. Yeah, it's prime opportunity. He said, you've seen Aubameyang go, you've seen Lacazette stop scoring and still you're not gripping it up. He's like, what, what do you want to do? Because even if you're not staying this season... I think window. other teams want to come in for you and he said you've got an opportunity to say I'm going to be the striker like, oh, striker at Arsenal I've got to assume you're not going to be at a bigger club next season no definitely not so what are you doing and he's really like because <laughs> obviously he's a striker as well so yeah, he's probably yeah, yeah. looking at it and I thought okay there's no way he could not have heard that 
Eddie. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, it, yeah, sure. It got out enough. It was picked up by enough places where, and he wasn't even saying it like, he's not like, he was talking down on him. It was kind of like, what you're doing? You've got this great opportunity and you've got to think, Ian Wright, come from a similar part of London, all of this, nothing could really G you up more. It was more of a like, what are you doing? Yeah. Give him a wobble and like, he had to run around, but he it, didn't do anything where you're like, okay, Arteta's like, well, Lacazette's not coming back in the team next week. That's it. That's the the most damning thing for Eddie, isn't it? That Lacazette is as out of form as you can get and you still go, he's probably a safer bet. But I personally, I don't think he's good enough anyway, but there is something to what Wright says in terms of you don't watch him come on and think, Right, he's going to be a menace here. He's going to be an absolute pest. And even if he doesn't score, he's going to be a, a headache. You think, I've got an easy night's work, really. We had a conversation in December when he was being linked with a move away. And I said... Everton, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, he was thinking with Brighton. And I said, that's a, that's a perfect move. I think he'd yep. do a better job for them than the Mope would. Because all we heard about him on the way up... It was a goal scorer, finisher. He, yeah, he is a penalty box striker. And when you see him in the Carabao Cup against far lower level... It does seem to be that he he has the kind of sniffing around. He to Michael Richards burst on the scene, but the first we saw of him was one. It was just a guy called Eddie, and that seemed to make people laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and we played Norwich, and he scored two goals from about three yards out, and he just had to wriggle between players. And then he scored on. Well, he may have scored in his first Premier League appearance, but he had a thing that was like what he does, but he missed that big chance against Everton Everton if you remember yeah yeah. he was at the back stick and he's missed he's missed three four five others like that I thought well if you're not scoring them you're not not scoring from outside the box yeah he's looked more threatening than Lacazette in the last couple of weeks but if that doesn't translate to goals then people are still saying well what are you doing they're the um, opposite side of the coin aren't they where you go like I said, if you're not going to be a goal scorer, everything else that you're supposed to be bringing to the party, that you know, you link up, hold up, yeah. and all that, you've got to be maxing out because we accept you're not scoring a lot of goals. He's not doing that at the minute. Eddie, it's if we accept you haven't got much to your game other than poaching, then you're best poaching, you well, best score goals. And neither of them are basically like, living up to what they're supposed to be. Abamyang went out of the team, eventually went. And so Lacazette came in, and because Abamyang's link up play was so bad, Lacazette's. <laughs> talents were overstated and it was look this guy's great linker plays a perfect false nine and so when Lacazette's doing what he does Eddie's penalty box finishing should be then exaggerated and it's like well, look at this guy yeah. his movement's fantastic and it's not at all is it it's it's tough to be what I mean I don't I'm not very good with heights but he's a small bloke he's a small but it's, it's more that he's a small build as well isn't yeah, it yeah. you've seen guys of his you could other guys of his height, but who are big and they can hold themselves. He's yeah. not so. I tall. mean, it's going to be tough to be a kind of the penalty box strikers we see in this league. Are you look more like Wedcourse than you do Eddie and Kessie? <laughs> yeah. But then we've seen sneaky guys like Chikorito. Um, yep. I don't know if it's disrespectful, but like Dirk Kite in that way. You're just a menace, and you're just in and around Dirk's everywhere. About him. And so, if you're not doing that, I don't know what what you're going to do. I don't want to do a whole this is what Arsenal need this summer, but... That's a separate point. Yeah, it, it's pretty... They need more than one striker because we can't be relying on Eddie next season. <laughs> you can't rely on Lacazette next season. And once again, the top four race is going to be determined by these guys don't score goals. And you've even then got Ronaldo scoring goals for United. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> what are we going to do? Yeah, I mean, 
let's say I think you should have had it in the bag. Really, I think the position you got yourselves into. Yeah. These last few results, I think even if you just scrub the Palace result, and you go okay. I was a bad. And bad that's what I thought was going to happen. You go off, and then Brighton's a good game to come back on. Southampton's not a bad one. No, think, no. Right, this should be, and it, it just hasn't. Well, the reason we were in this position was because we were beating the Palaces and the Brighton's yeah. and the Southamptons. Um, and the thing was giving credit to Arteta and the club. Say the club stuck with Arteta at a time when most of us wouldn't, and it looked like it was coming good. So you say whether by luck or judgment, they've kind of got it right with him. And with Arteta, you'd say you've, if we do nice, you've streamlined the squad. Yeah. And if you're being damning, you go and you've left it too short, and it, the, it's all it's all going to be result dependent. Well, it's easy to see. And you go, well, look, you got it wrong. You, you would get all the credit yeah. if it yeah. got right. So well, he was gotta, he was getting yeah, that. and you got to get the blame that you go you've left your club short. Yeah, the narrative has changed pretty quickly Dramatic, on yeah, him. Yeah, yeah because uh, I think Lukonga is go is going to be a good player. How good he's going to be, I'm not sure. But when you've been capped. By Belgium, when you've been the captain of Anderlecht at 20 years old, there is obviously something there. Now, we said last week, I don't think there was ever said that he was going to be playing like 30 games this season. <laughs> but clearly, if you're going to have him in there, you have a formation or something like it's a bit different when you're an attacker, but when Harvey Elliott or Curtis Jones or whoever as a young player come into the Liverpool team the pieces are there around them to make it work putting sure. Lukonga in is like a lone holding midfielder in the Premier League with two eights one in front of the of most him. responsible jobs yeah just, and it, he, I don't think he's big enough to do the job I don't think he's composed enough to do it yet um, and so people say well that was 18 million you could have spent somewhere else in the window and the question you got to have is one would Ainsley Maitland-Nolds done a better job? Mm. You've let him go. The other one, which is still understandable, but would Gwendouzi be doing a better job for Arsenal? Sure, sure. Seven, seven million, that's going to go down as one of our worst pieces of transfer business. And he is a prick. He is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even if you had to get him out the door, you could yeah. probably try and fetch a bit more than that. Yeah, it was one, they did it with um, Mavropanos, who I thought, I don't know if I spoke to someone else about it where he's now starting for Stuttgart and we're getting I think two million pounds for it. Yeah. Um, oh, so it was like we'll take the money while it's on the table <laughs> now. But Gwen Doozy in what we're gonna be looking to buy for as a Xhaka replacement this year, in that kind of left side of eight, Gwen Doozy would probably be a very, very good fit yeah. at this moment in time. Yeah, yeah. Um but the top four race isn't being decided isn't being decided on whether we've got Guendouzi or not. No, no. But no. it's just all these little things adding up and now you've got Chelsea on Wednesday. Big game. And United on Saturday. That's huge. That's and, then, huge. and then West Ham after that. Oh. I mean, you know, you and West Ham must have to look at that January window and go, We yeah. had a huge opportunity here. That yeah. we won't get too often. You won't have no, no. United and Spurs underperforming like they were at that stage of the season too often. So well, that's why I kind of I don't want to do the. Cause I think there's a big thing we can do on. Um, do you judge the season on your preseason expectations or is it a rolling yeah, set yeah, yeah. of objectives? And I do think there's an interesting conversation to have on that. So Agreed. I don't want to do yeah. it now. 
Um, but that's going to be a big thing for Arsenal, Spurs, United. And I guess it's similar. At the start of the season, if you asked uh, the Everton board, are you going to be happy to avoid relegation? And then, if you, and then if you asked them a fortnight ago, <laughs> so, yes, so please. clearly you, you can adjust your expectations. So it, it'll be interesting. I do think something that you can maybe take away from this point, and it is highlighted when you perhaps look at some of the other players that Spurs or United have, is I think we all thought that Arsenal going into the summer were going to do, similar to what they've done this window in, we're going to buy under 23-year-olds with a high ceiling. When you've seen what can happen when you have your experienced players, with Tierney being one of them, Tierney, Party, Tommy Asu going out of the team, is there perhaps where maybe you're buying 25 to 27-year-olds in the summer now rather than 18 to 23? Because you do need something a bit more where you can't all be learning on the job. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, and there is still, at that age, still some scope for coaching and improvement. Well, and you've also got them for a period of time. It's not like, you know, you're going, right, we've only got them for two years. Because for an example, I saw a discussion around who the striker was going to be and people saying, well, Tony doesn't fit into the age range that Arsenal are looking for. And I think he's like 26, 26 25, 26, something like that. Whereas is that now when you're looking at the new central midfielder, do you want a 21-year-old? When you look at the new striker, do you want a 21-year-old? I think, yeah, for what Arsenal are going to need for that, I think you need a bit more experience in, in the middle of midfield and as your main guy up front, I think. Because we, experience wouldn't hurt. we've kind of not done the in-betweens. Like um, we've gone from uh, to do a, a, a massive extreme. You've gone from like a Licksteiner to a Tavares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've gone from like a Socrates to... I don't know. Saliba will be hopefully we we'll see him next season. <laughs> Let's face it, the ultimate issue with it is is if they haven't been quality enough. Yeah. The issue with neither Lichstein or Tavares has been the age. It's yeah. just been I don't think they're probably good enough for Arsenal at this point. Lichstein probably because he's a little bit over the hill, maybe never would have been. Tavares looks just like he probably can't play left back for you. So Yeah, because there's been a lot of and we'll move on from Arsenal after this, there's been a lot of uh I guess, kind of restructuring the analysis of what you've had three months ago. Now, some are going from, it was a six for six window for Arsenal in the summer to, oh, suddenly it's a naught for six. <laughs> Ramsdale's conceded a few the last couple yeah. of weeks. Ben White. Ben White's actually terrible. Yeah. yeah. It's like, there does seem to be a, well, if, if you lose the two fullbacks and the person sitting in front of the defence, usually you will then concede more goals. Sure. Um, I like Ramsdale could have, a howler for what, I guess, three of the next seven games. My opinion on him probably isn't going to change that much because of what I've already seen this season. No, I don't think so. Erdegaard, similar. Like, I, I still want more from him if you're being spoken about as being the captain next season, but my opinion on his talent isn't going to change too much. Uh, ben White, I don't know what... Well, I think I know what the perspective is outside of Arsenal fans. Um... um very pleased with him and the season that he's had. The Lekonga one is the one that you're going to look at differently. Um, the Tavares one, definitely, obviously. Yeah. And so one more. Tavares, Lekonga. Oh, and Tommy Asu is, uh, yeah. I think we're all very happy with, but yeah. a bit concerning 
the, the fact we've not seen him since Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So it maybe says, are we happy with Cedric as the back at right back or do we look at someone else in the summer? I think you should. So it's going to be interesting. But yeah, the experience thing I think is the interesting one because it's getting it right because yeah. you do... The whole thing recently has been, look, we need to keep Martin Lee Smith for Osaka together for as long as possible. So when they hit their peak, they're all at their peak together. But buying a 25-year-old now, him being 28 when those peak isn't, isn't a disaster. Look at, we see now the ages of players and how they're able to keep going if they do treat their bodies the right way. A 37-year-old Fernandinho has played at the weekend. What Henderson's going, what can be 32, 33? Um, If you look at, you know, look at the business we did. We didn't sign Mane, Salah, Van Dijk, whatever, at 21. They're all mid-20s. And you've got, the other thing, this is a slightly, uh, probably one of those things where the mindset is still a hangover from once upon a time. And part probably part of the uh, a football manager age as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you go, someone reaches thirty, and it's sort of like Logan's run, and we just got to kill him. Yeah. Whereas in truth, everybody is at least two or three years later than they were once upon a time, yeah. but we still have the magic number of thirty in our mind. Or for it's some season, reason. Um, we just kind of like in midfield, like we assume that okay, that means you slowed down now. You have to kind of sit deeper, and you're a playmaker, like. Now I don't have this the facts in front of me to back this up. I would say at thirty plus years old, if I was to check the figures of one Aldum and what he was running for Liverpool and compare it across yeah. the league, I'd say his average was probably higher. Yeah, sure. So it, it is something to do with that, and we do have the analytics now where it should be easier to manage. It's just going to be. Uh, I, I do think that's also, a, you know, the the smarter managers and clubs are figuring that out. And a lot of them aren't. So yeah. still, so it's that probably reflective. Last question, and I wanted to ask you this in the way where we've done the statements previously of like agree, disagree, strongly disagree, strongly agree. I'm going to be aging now and uh, just not yeah. quite get the. Uh... We saw the interview, or you'd have seen at least the quotes from the Players Tribune this week. Do you think Granite Xhaka is misunderstood? No. <laughs> where would you put it in there? Disagree. I I agree with you. I, I think he's pretty easy to understand. Actually, yeah. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's particularly rather complicating a fairly simple simple question with him. I think. So I saw I saw a poll on this and it was fairly mixed actually, mm. um, where some say that we've seen how we've spoken here. Um, maybe perhaps I did um, misunderstand him that he doesn't want his family to be abused, which feels fairly clear yeah, cut for me. Yeah. Um, I've seen others say similar. Is it not? And as you've just referenced, he's actually very easy to understand. It's just yeah. that's Marmite for a lot of people. Like he might be easy to understand. You just might not like what you're understanding. Exactly, and I think he, um, as you touched on with like the family being abused, even the thing of like a uh, I got booed and I, by my own fans and I didn't like it. That seems a fairly obvious sort of thing. And then fans are like, oh yeah, this is a human being did we're you, talking about after all. It seems, like, did you not quite get that? Did you that see his original? full kind of I didn't see, I only saw so, a couple of quotes thrown um, away. I, now I said on there, it was one of the angriest I've ever been in a stadium. But he, from his point of view, he just slowly, he, he said he took one step and people already started booing. That wasn't the case. Um, <laughs> yeah. I maybe quite like that he'd never apologised 
like he in his mind he doesn't feel he had anything to apologize for. Yeah. And we've said about other players here if you don't think you're wrong, I'd rather you don't apologize. Yeah, just yeah, just go with it. And so him with this he does say look I'd rather we had a bet I had a better thing with the Arsenal fans but if you really don't think you're wrong, I quite like that stick with it. That you kind of stick by your values so I'm going to I was about to say I'd be disappointed if he wasn't here next summer. Blimey. And I maybe would, but only in the sense that I feel it's like one step forward, one step back. So, you know, I'd yeah. rather him be a guy who I can have in the team with his experience. And if he's your backup in midfield, there's far worse in this league. I don't think he's bad in being a backup. Whether he would accept being a backup that's, is a That's, a, that's is, a good... Um, a tricky. Yeah, that's what I've always thought but yeah we seem to oh, I was about to say we seem to be a bit different with selling now we've, we've just given Aubameyang away so maybe yeah. not <laughs> Let, let's face it your, your issue with the Jacofin is no Arsenal fan would have any issue with losing him if they thought the club was going to get someone in really good but I think they're no. questioning well, we, will you get someone in who's bulletproof who's definitely well we better. turned down 12 million for him in the summer and I think we were right to do that when Roma said they had no money and then put 40 on Tammy <laughs> right decision for them but it was like sure. okay you're not just going to tell us yeah. this um, so I think that's the main issue and the fact that he's had one long term injury his whole time at the club and he came back sooner than expected trust him to be the only one who didn't get injured yeah. your issue with him was it just sent out totally the wrong message that we're looking to get this guy out he's gone, he's gone he's gone he's <laughs> gone for your deal yeah yeah, um, yeah there's Behind the scenes, he must be the model professional because yeah, we've be. had three managers now and every they manager has trusted him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Wenger trusted him even after the interview where he said um, he'd rather he just didn't tackle <laughs> yeah, and then still yeah, played yeah. him in the base of midfield. Um, how many points do you think Arsenal get from Chelsea and United? Chelsea's away. I don't think you'll get anything at Chelsea. Um be curious to see how United look against us if they look anything like they have done well I'm going to ask you how many points do you think they get from room for a stinker from it as well <laughs> it's at our place as well yeah the United game isn't it so I think you I think you'll draw with United in a stinker okay I'm going with um, Langston and he's like it would be good to see Ronaldo and I'm, well, to be honest I'd rather we don't see him yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how it, I think the atmosphere will be pumping but in previous times what time is the game 12.30 okay yeah so it doesn't mean I'll be back for Fury uh, White oh yeah yeah true um, the atmosphere previously has been very good even when we've been losing I do wonder how it will be if they get a goal that, <laughs> because that would then be potentially four or five losses on the spin if we lose to Chelsea beforehand and you're obviously looking down the barrel of United potentially yeah, taking the spot. Yeah, well, I was speaking Detroit, and it was like, well, I hope we got Europa League now, like, and it's, things can change very quickly. Stretched. Yeah, 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 Christ. Um, with United, Connor tried getting him on this week. Uh, unfortunately, wasn't able to. He Thought we get him after a win. Yeah. Thought we get him. He said in our group chat yesterday, it's a free hit for United against Liverpool. Do you think that's the case? 
it's a bad indictment on the club if that's where we're at. If it's a free hit, it, in paper at least, if you take away the t- the names of the two clubs, he's probably right. Are we getting the narrative of uh, we just want to stop them winning the league? Is effectively what United are playing for more than <laughs> not to sound arrogant. That's kind of their trophy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's same. Look, we've got them, and then we've got Everton. Same motivation for both of them. If we assume Everton are almost safe now, they. That was one of the things I was looking forward to was last game of the season. Hopefully, going there to see him get relegated. <laughs> I don't even get that. Oh uh, yeah, again, United spoiled our fun with that one. Didn't yeah, um, yeah, it's quite rash that they could lose to Everton and still finish ahead of us in the form. They, the form. I feel like Spurs and United have lost almost every other week, and yet still, <laughs> yet still, they could both finish above us. But the funny thing about all those, all your clubs in there is I keep seeing fans from these clubs getting retweeted onto the timeline going like, we've had so many opportunities here that we've just fucked out. And they're all, you're all thinking like, oh, if we could have just won these couple of games yeah. here or there. Yeah, I think before this run, it was easier to say, because you pointed at the penalty Odegaard gave away United where they had no right to beat us. Like the Everton one, no. obviously, anyone that's lost Everton this season is like, how the fuck has that happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we drew with Burnley at home. It was like... Oh, God, yeah. They were yeah, far yeah. easier. Bang, bang, bang. Okay, that's what happened. Whereas now it's a bit more like, yeah. I, I don't think if you lose to Brighton, Palace, Southampton, I don't think you deserve to be playing Champions League football. In the Manning, he's done it as well, yeah. no. Um, if we go on to boxing, yep. unless you want to talk Champions League, but I'm conscious that we've done a lot of uh, the other teams. In fairness, don't know that there's... No. Huge amount to say. It's no. other than Chelsea Madrid was a good game. Is that's that was really that was <laughs> that's great. The summary, that was a great tie. Madrid do what Madrid do. So if you want the thoughts on uh, the Man City game, if you spitballingpod dot com, click the sidebar football, or you can see it on the homepage and just read through what TK's written there. And uh, that's it. The only thing I'd say about the Man City Atletico game is what I put in that article, whereby yeah. Atletico were kind of being called shithouses. City seemed. Like they out shit out the shit out, which is a great thing to do. You you actually wrote down pretty much like what my thoughts was, so you articulated it very well. If uh, I say to you, Yuri, nice. um, I do think something that I th- was interesting was I thought they were praised for it against United and then slated Atlet- for it against City. Mm. Yeah, and uh, look, they they did go an extra step. I will acknowledge. So it's. Yeah. I think. Do you think it helped that? I don't think the pundits they had on the day in Rio, Hargreaves and Skulls needed an opportunity, needed a second invitation to kind of shoe in United, whereas the pundits True. were far more defensive of City. So it was kind of like, well, you, they did what they had to do, you let it beat you. Whereas the second time around it was, they did what they had to do and they still couldn't get it done. So really, have a look at yourselves. But can you imagine if Atletico had got through, there would have been an entire post mortem in the thing where they said this is an injustice and like this is the death of football. Them getting if they'd beaten City, I mean, it would have been. Is it very weird? Part of the what makes Atletico great that they can go in the press conference after a moan about time wasting. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, for that's sure. Add to it, yeah. No, but like um, you mentioned Guendouzi earlier, like Neymar raging at him diving. <laughs> like, yeah. come on, you got yeah. a bit of self awareness, yeah. boss. I saw. Um, Keown and you get this a lot where do you remember after they lost to uh, Atletico and Rio was doing that weird thing where he was like and Skulls and they were like 
these players aren't scared of the managers anymore. They're not scared of them. And it's, I don't know what point you're trying to get across here, but Keown <laughs> did an article in the Mail, I think it was this weekend, that it was like, I always knew that Vieira would be a great leader after I saw him uh, throttle a Arsenal senior player in the dressing room at 20 years old. And it was like, what the hell does he even mean? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh, Gwen, Gwen uh grip someone up and we never saw him again so we'll <laughs> as a no, 20 year old Frenchman we have no idea on his tactical acumen I've just <laughs> seen him physically manhandle someone I don't know it's just a weird like masculine nostalgia of like yeah we were yeah. men back then very weird isn't it um start with the boxing then so we had Conor Ben against Chris Van Heerden at the weekend. If you listen to the punditry beforehand, this was the biggest test of Conor Ben's career. This was a guy that went seven rounds with Errol Spence about eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, they didn't mention the time no. period. Um, and this was the test that he needed before he goes for a world title. It was pretty much laying the land out there. Um you got a competitive fight in the chief support and then not a lot more than that. Um, no. I guess if we'd done a preview on it last week and I don't think we cared about it enough to be breaking it down like that. Which says a lot about the fight, yeah. yeah we pretty much got what we expected. Yep. Yeah, I got on the early knockout myself uh, for rounds one to three. Pretty nice. much given. Uh even what did you make, get on that? Huh? What did you get on that? Ten to three. Well, yeah. The the um. Even if you look amongst the sort of the shite Herman spouting pre fight, he said he's a southpaw. He's not a tricky southpaw. He's a southpaw. Okay, well that's, <laughs> there you go. If basically if you're hittable for Conor Ben, you're probably going to be getting out. If you, if you're base fairly just solid but hittable, he's going to tee off on you probably. That's pretty much what we got. Yeah. It, even in the first round where it was a bit livelier than I expected, it still didn't look like, I'd never really thought based on Van Heerden's entire career that he's going to be cleaning Conor Ben out here. No. I don't know if you read anything into the fact that they aren't putting him in with anyone that can significantly punch. You read a lot into it. Because he did take a few licks on Saturday. Yeah, I thought the first round he came in a bit wild, didn't he? And uh, yeah, if, if even if Van Heerden had, you know, a couple of on the record big knockouts, if he had a big left hand that you thought, okay, that'll keep him honest at least. But he doesn't even have that. So look at Algeria, he kind of famously doesn't yeah. doesn't punch. I can only assume they look at that Pano fight and thought, well, if he can hurt him, and I know he's much better than yeah, that, yeah. so it's not, it's not a criticism in that respect. It's just that we are not taking any risk with this guy until we absolutely have to. Because yeah, it is very impressive. Like when you watch that fight, you, I, if you told me he goes on to beat Chris Algieri, I probably wouldn't no, have agreed. With no, it. even even current. Um, so it, it is very impressive. Just we've not seen him since then have to overcome anything, and we've said before, and it is the promoter's job to do that. But it'd be far easier to kind of get on board with these fights and to even kind of like the individuals involved if we weren't sold shit in the build-up like yeah. don't tell us that you can't fight David Avenesian because he's not a household name and then fight Chris Van Heerden and yeah. it's like how many people who were there on Saturday night if you told them can you name me a previous Van Heerden fight like, who's Van Heerden yeah 
yeah, I'm yeah. here to watch Conor Ben. <laughs> yeah, it, the thing with it was, is the Algeria fight, they'd been talking about these other bigger fights and you settle for Algeria, so you have a bit of a, a dampener there. But that's probably an okay fight with the, the name and the record. But then you go, right, there's a big one next. And then it's Van Heerden, and you're like, well, that is not the big one next. That is, at best, parallel to Algeria and probably a down step, if in truth, even though Herman's insisting that wasn't the case. In terms of, uh, as a commercial appeal and in terms of as a fight, he was a downturn, yeah. I think. And then it's now it's, oh, we'll have a big one next. It's like, well, you lied to us last time. Yeah. So, and, you know, they're talking about potential opponents and you think, I know half of these definitely aren't going to. So, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of just, what are we going to do? It said a lot that um, Khan was in the ring and he said, and they said to him, what were they doing? Well, they said to him, and I, so I see you, you jump straight in the ring and Khan said, and as we've said previously, he doesn't really have a filter. He doesn't really know what to say. He's like, well, Eddie just asked me if I could get in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, because he the fella. wasn't oh. entertaining the fight. At lot. I don't think he could have distanced himself from it more without, because no. he's never going to say, no, I'm I don't scared. want it. He's not going to say, I don't want it. But he was saying, oh, I sit with my family. Uh, maybe I'll have something to tell you soon. And he's saying, you know, like, I'm happy for Con. I just came to watch him yeah, and stuff like and that. Because Ben said, uh, you know, usually money talks. He's like, well, I made a lot of money. So that, after you've slagged off Khan Brook in the way you did, and I do think as much as you'd have been happy to make it, I don't think anything he said after the fact was particularly wrong. Um, to then try and set up Ben against Amir Khan. Oh. At this point, would Conor Ben even get any credit for beating Amir Khan? No, 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 no. No, it's... It's like you just brought him in for a cheap set piece. Carl, uh, Carl Froch can get his jokes off and, Ugh, and you can say, oh, look, this is how good he is that Amir Khan fought anyone and now he, he doesn't want to fight Conor Ben. It's pretty much... There's there's always a... They, there's a misconception on this and promoters purposely do it where you have like, they'll call it a crossroads fight. But there's a crossroads fight where someone is starting to dip and the other guy's the up-and-comer. Yeah. And then there's just feeding on the carcass of a former fight. And that's what it would be with Khan. Yeah, this isn't um, Sam Eggins and Paulie Malinaji. No, no, no. This is like, because I'm, I'm as big of a Sam Eggins fan as you can find, but that, in the stage they both were, made perfect sense. Exactly, yeah. Conor Ben Ame Khan now is like, well, we've just seen him. We've all said, I don't want to see that man take any more punches. And then... No. A month later, we're saying, well, you know what? Money does talk. And it's, well, what, what message are you sending out here? Like- yeah. It's, I mean, there's something very damning about going for the loser of that fight anyway. Yeah. But even if the loser of that being looking as bad as he did. I think people, you know, short fucking memories here. Everybody on the night was going, let's get this guy retired and make sure he doesn't come back because we don't need to see it again. No. But, and coincidentally, I actually really like the Brook fight for Ben. Now, I know Brook supposedly asked for a lot of money. Now, that is a crossroads fight because you go, this guy showed he's got a bit left. Yeah. And this guy's on the way up. We'll see where we're at here. That's the perfect fight, I think. Well, it's like... If you're looking for a, a money fight. In an incredibly exciting division, they seem to be making like the, the worst least... possible like, fights. Now, he's a name. Does a fight with Broner excite you? Because we've seen no. time and time again, and I mean, in terms of... Uh, a Broner, like I've got a Broner t-shirt. Like I'm, a, I'm a Broner <laughs> fan. We've seen countless times he will accept a loss. Like mm. six rounds is not going his way. He's not digging one out in the twelfth round to say I'm not. I'm not losing this one. No, he's not buying down. On he's going to lose. He's going to say 
Well, I won that fight. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> say a few controversial things in the press. You're probably going to talk be... about him kissing his dad in the middle of the ring. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably going to say all this, and then people are going to say, well, he shot him up. This is this good British lad we've got here, and he really put his foot down. And That fight... <sighs> it's a promotional dream, because you'll get hype for it, and Conor Ben will win. He doesn't have that much threat coming back, Broner. He should, I've always like he shouldn't really be at welterweight. He's well out of his depth there. Just like he doesn't want to cut weight, yeah. And uh, but the only interesting thing would be would if Conor Ben could get him out of there because he's if Broner if nothing else he's tough. Yeah, as much everything else he is tough. So if he could, that would be impressive. That would be the only thing really. Because they mentioned Thurman, you're not fighting Thurman next. Like, I don't even know why you're saying you're going to fight Thurman Isn't he next. Was- uh, PBC. Was, yeah. yeah. Which like, turns out a massive thing that I can't get any of my fighters to fight them. They just won't work with me. I, I don't see a Mikey Garcia fight happening. No. I don't see that. Mike, why Mikey would need to because he's a, he's a def, decent enough draw over there. Again, same thing. But I've always thought, what is he doing at Wildway? Yeah. It doesn't need to be there. If you look but, at him against especially he looks a bit fleshy really. You don't yeah. need to be fighting at that weight. Go back down. So this is why in terms of oh, we needed to fight Van Heerden to get him ready for a world title. If you're not going to go, you're not going to win there and fight Boots Ennis next. Like, you're no. not going to go in there and fight a lot of these guys. Um, a fight with someone like Avanesian, now, you're probably off air if you say he's high risk, low reward, but what else are you going to be, what else are you going to do? Because you can't just wait for Spence and Thurman to hopefully fight and then Spence vacate and a load of belts because... I don't think Crawford's going to be going up again anytime soon, so he's going to be hanging around. True. Like, I'm not sure if Spence is, is planning on doing that because he's still got enough fights there. What, are you going to you going to get Danny Garcia? I don't see that happening. Danny Garcia, again, I think, thinks too highly of himself to say, to give someone else a shot. But he doesn't really need to, does he? He can probably get He's not fought Crawford yet, so it's like, well, why not? He can get an easier weight in fight. Yeah, he can go for one of the top guys probably as a, as an opponent, or he can get a, a mid-level guy. He's probably not as much of a threat as Conor Ben, but probably yeah. it's an, enough of a name that he'll get credit for. Well, Whereas yeah. if he loses to Conor Ben over in the States, they're like, you just lost to this British guy. He can fight Crawford, and even if he loses to Crawford, then they can do the Boots Ennis fight, and they'll yep. do him because he's a recognisable name. Um, I, I think Danny Garcia would be the perfect fight to let us know where Conor Ben's at, though. I think that's the because you'd say well he's not over the hill and far away, but he's probably not quite at his best at this point. If Conor Ben can beat him, that's an incredible, that's a very good win. And if he narrowly loses, you'd get well he's good but just not quite that good yet. So that'd be a good barometer. But as you said, I would question how well they get that fight made. The Avenesian one that apart from anything, it's, it'd be a great fight to watch yeah. because neither would take a bout. Is that they both have to go for it, and it's not like Avenesian. He's got lost on the record in those first couple of rounds against Josh Kelly. Got touched up. He got and Conor Ben obviously hits a lot harder than Josh Kelly. He could get him out before it even gets to the. Yeah. Having since whole game obviously is I'm going to take you down the stretch and see if you have got the stomach for it. Ben might get him out of there before that even comes into play. Yeah, because I think that's very possible. And yet Hearn is almost like uh, I don't think he can do it. Yeah, he doesn't believe in him. There's some fights where, um, like, I would like to see Deontay Wilder, Dylan White, because I would like to see Deontay Wilder put Dylan White's head into <laughs> into another county. The, I'm, I don't want to see Ben Avenesian because I think it's a layup for Avenesian and he's going to just dog walk him. Like, no. It, it's one because 
in a sport in which there's enough fighters for us to have repeatedly competitive fights, we don't get repeatedly no. competitive fights, and this would be one. And it's the in terms of where they're both at in terms of Avenisian, as Hearns acknowledges, is fringe world level. Well, he's already said that Ben has surpassed British and European, despite not taking on any British yeah. and all European, by the way. He's already surpassed that apparently. And so you've got a situation where that would be the perfect test. And also I'm I'm always curious when he'll say like no one's interested in the Avenue fight. He's not housed on it. Like you said, he's a bigger name than Van Heerden by virtue of the Josh Kelly fight. Yeah. And also, how can you see people are interested when it's the fight you are asked about most? Every interview he comes up, at what point do you go, okay, this is a big fight? Well, they even started putting his face in the... Like, I saw the zone, zone thing. Ones, yeah. Um, Didn't they have Virgil Ortiz in that as well? Yeah. Who's just had a thing that I might not be able to make this weight anymore. Yeah. And um, they're not going to make that fight even if he can because he's a dangerous guy. After the Josh Kelly fight, I remember Twitter being like lit up with that people big, that aren't the usual kind yeah. of... Because Josh Kelly, we'd seen that knockout of perhaps looking back, they should have been a bit uh, more hesitant when you hit someone with the same left hook six times and they go down on the sixth. But his showboating stuff was getting a lot of headlines, yeah. wasn't it? So, so people tuned in to see that star. fight and then they did it like they did it in his hometown, didn't they? Or they did it in Newcastle. Not sure. He okay. got booed in Newcastle, didn't he? Because he's yeah. a Sunderland man. Yeah, they did it somewhere where he, had, he brought the people out there. He had a big... Uh, a new crowd. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. It was a really good Saturday fight. Him. I remember thinking about it. And then got pieced up eventually so yeah and, and look, maybe the offer wasn't on the table I said to you at the time Avenisian should have just tried to get with Hearn at that point because yeah. you say look I'll build my profile here I'm going to get your that's, guys that's but what... Hearn might have gone look best way to avoid this guy I don't sign you because I don't think he really wants that work for this. so is, is by the way Josh Kelly could be having a word with Hearn he's going you keep saying this guy's a killer a no name because yeah. you want to get to world titles what the hell were you doing with me yeah is is there a chance where Hearn says no, because we've seen with various people, I mean, look at um, Baumgartner this weekend, mm-hmm. that because if Avanesian wins, he doesn't get anything out of that. So he he doesn't get his next fight. Yeah, He then goes across to Frank and his next fight with the added publicity is with Frank. Is that another thing that is going to stand yeah. in the way of He's it? He's got all the motivation not to make the fight is, is the issue. Um, even after he said in the white build-up, well, look, get us both at a press conference together. It'll be massive. So he should have all of it. And and he always has this thing of, um, when he has, are you going to be at the Fury White fight? So oh, well, I don't think I'm invited. Well, they would all have you there. Yeah. They would absolutely all have you there. And they'll probably be a dick and get your three rows back. But I'll put you there if you want it. But you don't, because he doesn't. Because he, he is the worst for not promoting another promoter show. He will religiously just go, which... Is always funny because he will shit on all these other promoter shows and then give those painful interviews with Coogan. It's like, how sad you have to be yeah. to criticise people. <laughs> how sad your little life. Well, like, you do that Av- all the time. He was doing it with Avanesian on uh, just before this fight. Yeah. Um, it is a tough one because I genuinely don't know how much interest you can keep garnering. Although I did see the Conor Ben's an animal, Conor Ben, this, that. Is there a chance that now we've seen that they are, are going to do his own pay-per-view they're going to steer him clear of anyone that can punch until yeah, they can will. get him there. Because from Eddie's standpoint, he had people buying Dylan White pay-per-views. So yeah. he'll think, well, I can have people buying Conor Ben pay-per-views. And he's in a precarious position here whereby basically, and this isn't bad things to rely on, the two biggest stars in the sport, 
But AJ and Canelo are basically what's doing it for him. Outside of that, you've got a situation where DAZN is not getting the views I think well, he AJ's thought he was going to get. AJ's going to be on Sky as well. It's not confirmed, is it? But no, I think he's, he's, a, I think even when Hearn's saying, I would assume that's going to be... Yeah, so I think that's probably going to happen. So yeah, so you've really got Canelo. Uh, what was I going to say? The, I think what they'll do, they'll, I think they'll try and drag Khan in, which is pretty bad, but I think they'll try and that. I think they'll look at Brooke, but it sounds like Brooke might go for Eubank, which I don't quite know who's advising him, but there you go. I think if you had been told, look, here's a big pot of money, Conor Ben or Eubank, I know which one I would go for in Brooke's shoes. On the other hand, if you lose to Eubank and you sell it as who's a bigger say, guy, say I don't know if you ever saw the old um, WWE events. So they used to do one where you would have a match set up and you'd have a guy, and then people would vote on that night, and they would whoever won the vote would come out and fight. <laughs> if if you had that, this would be quite something. Yeah, it was Taboo Tuesday. It was called, and if you had that, and you had sounds like a category. Yeah, <laughs> you had Eubank. Uh, backstage and you had Conor Ben backstage and people had to vote of who Cal Brooks going to face that night who do you think would get the vote I think we'd have uh, we're looking at like the Brexit numbers I think I think it'd be very close I probably Eubank isn't it probably Eubank he's probably just about bigger bigger name I don't think there's any common sense being applied to that, though. I think Conor, Conor Ben fight is a better fight. Yeah, I, was, yeah, you know, I agree. But yeah, you, I'm assuming you were alluding to you think Eubank would probably get the nod. I do, and I I wasn't sure in that. It was kind of like, um, might be one where, like, where we were discussing the Fury white numbers and we could be massively wrong. But having said that, it's probably who fought last. I know that sounds stupid, yeah. but with Eubank and Ben, whenever they have a fight, for the initial sort of period after the fight, everyone's like hot on him, Just, and then it can go a bit quiet again. Is that Canelo in the crowd, by the way, next to Oscar at Khan Maidana? I can't see. Right in the middle of the screen now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pre beard, <laughs> so he looks a bit baby face. I didn't even, I don't remember him being around then. Khan well, was only twenty four, so yeah, Canelo would have been very yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't mean much to anyone else there, but it was just I we're to, watching Khan Maidana <laughs> and Canelo's in the crowd. I there you to, go. I just. It was just spinning me out. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they'll even for Conor Ben. They'll get Conor, or I think they will get Morris Hooker because they were talking about him prior to the Van Heerden okay, fight. Okay. I think that's what they'll do if they can't get. And Hearn will sell that as, as a big fight, and he's at least different. But also, don't forget, he was a one forty pounder. He's up. crumbled a bit his last. Couple I think of his age is starting, well. and he's he was freakishly big one forty pounder. So I guess you'd, he'll say, "Well, actually, he always should have been a one forty seven pounder." But that's, if you can make the weight, you are that weight, aren't you? As we say. Yeah. Um, I do think a Brooke-Eubank fight would probably be horrible on the eye, to be honest. On Brooke's <laughs> eye? Christ, wouldn't yeah. be fun. Eubank fights are usually are ugly until they aren't. Um, <laughs> it's part of the issue. It's, it's, that just seems, uh, we're segueing a little bit, seems like the last thing Brooke would want is a, it's a long, drawn-out night against Eubank, and that's probably the last thing Brooke needs. I think we spoke about it at the time. It would probably be quick either way. Yeah, I think we spoke about it at the time, and there is an illusion for anyone before they fight Eubank, and Liam Williams was doing this as well, that all I have to do is have a jab, and this guy has nothing for yeah, me. Yeah, I think that would be the case for maybe two rounds of Brooke, and then it will quickly get on top. Yeah, it wouldn't be pleasant, I don't think. Um, when most people is normal size, he does that, let alone someone coming yeah. up. This weekend, then, we have Tyson Fury, 
Dylan White. Uh, it's going to be the biggest gate in British boxing history. Frank was keen to point out. Yeah. Um, we've done the kind of talk about the numbers and things and I don't think we don't really need to go into pay-per-view numbers because I still don't really know when they're legit and when they aren't. It's true. Yeah, we'll never find out anyway, will we? Um, can you, if I was putting you in a like Wolf of Wall Street sell me this pen situation, can you in any way sell me that Dylan White wins this fight? <laughs> I got to sell myself. I'm trying to let sell it to someone else. Uh, and you can't say at heavyweight anything can happen. <laughs> yeah. What about that left hook? Um, yeah, I guess the only thing, the curious thing to me is how Fury approaches it. Whether he, this, what he's done in the last two Wilder fights, is that's how he's going to fight now. Or whether he reverts to type, which is basically the rest of his career, keeps yeah. at the end of the jab. Um, and that'll obviously determine how exciting the fight is, but also if you give White any chance. One of the best left hooks in the sport, Eddie Hearn said on on Friday. There's a whole um, part of Twitter dedicated to the fact that he's got no right hand. Though. <laughs> he also I've, said he's one of the best body punches in the sport, which we've still really never seen. No, this is it. <laughs> I, I was saying something the other day, like if he's going to have any chance, this whole body snatcher thing would have to come true. The only thing with Fury, he's, he's obviously a huge man, with a big midriff, aim for that. I hope for that is maybe the, is the best you can hope for in White's case. It's kind of like at this point, and we are basically the only fights you really judge Fury on are Klitschko and Wilder at this point. Like yep. the other ones, we kind of say because of what we've seen in those fights, we say, oh, well, we're not going to think much of them. I don't think. Fury is looking at Dylan White like he's looking at Pianetta and he's looking at uh, even the likes of uh, Wallin and those others. So you don't think he'll be complacent? No, I think to be honest, I, th- I think it's going to be very ugly for Dylan White. I'm long past the point in which because I don't like Fury I would ever talk down on his abilities as a heavyweight Sure, in that is I, I wouldn't pick anyone against him at, at no. this stage. No. Um, he's shown me enough. And when you've shown me that you can box and then also you can get up from every shot that Deontay Wilder throws at you, who I couldn't be higher on, like I don't see, unless it is punch from the God's territory. This is it. Because obviously if you say what's well, got a puncher's chance, like, well, he's just been in with the biggest puncher well, three times. Even so in, just... in what we say about... Um, Wilder in that people say this guy can't box, which we already know the rebuttals there. I I don't see that Dylan White sets up his shots any better than his Deontay balance of times can be horrible. Yeah, and at least with Wilder when he's throwing himself off his feet, you kind of eradicate the chance for most people to try and uh, counter you because it's like. I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm not just slightly slipping this shot um, and yeah. then firing back. Yeah, I've seen what happens. With with Dylan Watt, I feel I think it's quite a simplistic comparison, but I, I do think it's just going to look a lot like the second Chisora fight in where he's going to be aggressive, but it's going to be largely based off the jab. He's going to use any kind of aggression that White has against him. 
I think the only thing that White has going for him and that I will salute him for is I do think he'll go out in his shield, which oh, is which yeah, is I why I think will. it yeah. ends within the distance. Um, so you think Fury stops him? Yeah, and I actually don't think it'll be as late as perhaps I would have previously. Like, is it still? Is he calling it late? I think if it's within eight, are we saying that's that's earlier than most yeah. people have it? Probably earlier than I would. Well, I I think I genuinely don't know what food whether think, he's going to go on a seek and destroy mission or whether he will stink the gaff out. I'm, I'm in two minds. I don't know because in the same way where if we were doing MMA and you have sometimes like a grappler who lands a big right hand and then suddenly like Size they don't want to grapple striker. anymore. I've got to think for Fury and he's a guy who largely does like there's a phrase dance to the beat of his own drum or I made that up as a phrase. Marches to the yeah, beat of his own there we drum. Go. Um, I do think once you've fought like you have against Wilder and you've come through it I've got to imagine that that's a lot more enjoyable than yeah it is how you fought in those other fights where you throw in like five punches around and I do think there is a side of him as much as he would say against like uh, Cunningham and he would say against Hammer like I really want to hurt these guys <laughs> there probably is a part of him where it's like I do really want to hurt Dylan White now he doesn't fight particularly emotionally and he's not shown that previously but I don't see how you fight those fights against Wilder and then go back and do a training camp where I'm going to move right, on the back, the back foot. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. move on the back foot and I'm going to do this. And like. I guess if you look at it, I know everyone's sort Kronk style or whatever. That's the only thing we've seen of him with Sugar Hill is this style. So maybe that is what they're working on. And then and if you're doing it against Wilder, you can do it against anyone in theory, can't you? In terms of, yeah. You can bully Wilder out because he's not the, the biggest. Dylan White's obviously a, a more solid guy. So you probably can't. No. You should probably physically bully him for a big man. But not as easy as well. But you don't have that punching power to worry about no. in the same way. He not lend- some, but not the same. He lends himself to this new style for Fury like so well in that he will just march forward into it and it's probably going to be... I'm not expecting Fury to go out there and load up, but just get him at the end of a big jab and march him down. And if, if White says, right, I'm taking the centre of the ring, fine, I'll... Yeah. I'll you won't be able to reach me. Let's face it, the thing with Wilder as well, it was basically exhaustion as much as anything by the end where, when Fury was hitting him. So yeah. if you can put that pace on White... Yeah. Who was, if, who's been knackered previously by about six rounds. I mean, he was knackered it, by against like Joseph Parker. He was ready to drop in that 12th round, wasn't he? Just out of, you know, exhaustion. So and Fury would back himself on that one, I'm sure. As, as depressed as I was after the second fight with uh, Wilder, I remember saying to you, like, if he fought like this every single time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it would be almost impossible to not be a fan of the guy. And previously, I would say, like, I don't need to sit and watch a Tyson Fury fight. Like, I'm more than happy. To... You see them, and it's like, all right. you've shown a level of vulnerability in where, in which at least this is going to be entertaining. Yeah. And is it vulnerable if you keep getting up? I guess if you go to the cards, it is. Um, you've shown that you can be aggressive and you can do and put this on someone, perhaps naively not expecting a stinker, whereas both have shown that they're more than willing to provide yeah, one. Yeah, I'm expecting a stinker. So we're, we're, I guess, balancing each other out in that regard. Yeah, I suppose you've got everything to gain there and I've got everything to <laughs> yeah. lose. Yeah. My, my issue with it would be, I think, potentially White, they could engage in a tear-up and White could hurt him at one point. But as I said, you've got to keep Fury down, one. And so if it does, I think it's a hell of a weapon to be able to have Fury that you can revert to type and go, I'll box off the back foot if I'm in trouble. 
And won't, won't have an answer for that. We know he can't. No, like do that on him. Even last time out, the Povetkin fight. I know he gets the win against like a half dead Povetkin. Oh, yeah, this is it. He was jumping off his feet, throwing punches in there, and he was ragged. And he was like, at one point, he threw in his arms like over the ropes, and it's like he's been. In a, I've seen a lot of people saying that they think he's regressed since he left Tibbs, which is maybe an argument. But he was in an he was in an odd spot as well, though, where he kind of came in as a bit of a brawler, not quite, but a little bit, but with a bit of ability. Kind of seemed to be working like he was trying to become more technical. If you look at that run he was on. Has he gone downhill since he stopped howling pre-fight? <laughs> yeah. I reckon the howl will be back at Wem- uh, Wembley. Um, and he seemed to be trying to get a bit more technical. And we've seen that kind of like, you know when some fighters kind of become a bit too refined, you're like, you may as well have just gone back to being like wild because yeah. that was kind of your thing. And I think he's ended up somewhere in between that way. Like I don't quite know which one he is, and I'm not sure yeah. if he does. I'd quite like to see him against Andy Ruiz if we could have got that. But I, I think, think that's. We'll, I don't think we'll get that now. Well, Andy Ruiz, by the way, isn't fighting Spong anymore. No, he's fighting Luis uh, Ortiz. Luis Ortiz, which is pretty wild. On yeah. Triller, is it not? Is... No, it was going to be on no, Triller. Now it's on Golden Boy. I think. No, I saw the headline. and said on the basis that he'd already signed yeah. the deals. <laughs> oh, just signing two contracts at a time, Andy. <laughs> Who is advising this guy? Um, I think that you could have asked that question going back to the second world of yeah, uh, yeah. second AJ fight you know that food you're taking to the room Andy yeah. you know, maybe not <laughs> is there anything to say for what Frank said now if I hadn't seen the card and he went on TalkSport and he was defending it I would have thought you know what this is okay yeah I'd have had some sympathy in what he said like we can't have Dubois fight because of what he is we can't have Yard fight because of this um, I think he said uh, Hamza Shiraz he can't have him fight because it's Ramadan so there was a number of like your guys. Who and he didn't even mention the injuries he had on the card, which I thought surprising because he had had people drop off the card like Jared Anderson, which he didn't really even mention in that interview, did he? So was a bit weird. when that happens, I do agree with what he's saying and that, look, I would rather make competitive fights than yep, just yeah. showcase fights. But I'm about to look at the odds now. For one, usually when you have these close fights, you at least have something on the line so you can say, okay, this is at stake for the fight. You can have a close fight and then it feels quite meaningless if you have nothing invested on it. Have a British title or whatever. Yeah. and I think that Isaac Lowe fight is one of those where it's close, but the odds probably won't reflect that it's quite close, if I'm not mistaken. Bet365 don't have any odds for the undercard. Yeah, I was going to say, I looked the other day and I don't think they did, which normally ties to something, doesn't it? I didn't know it was... Liam Smith, Jesse Vargas uh, next week either. Mm. So it's actually two weeks away. Which is weird because they assured me that the whole world's been waiting for Liam Smith, Jesse <laughs> Vargas. We're finally getting it. So we're actually yeah. two weeks away from Gates Oliveira, so now I'm even more depressed. Yeah, yeah. The um, the thing with the, the point Frank made was that totally stands up if it went for the fact that we saw for the longest period of time Dubois and Yard just on against no hopers because of their name, which yeah, you probably could have done yeah. this time. Well, because both of them, Yard is literally waiting on the title shot, which yeah. they're they're having a fight, so you may as well get something in the interim. Um, and Dubois trying to get Trevor Bryan, are they? I think is the they're well, supposed to be Yard for could the be waiting even longer because I mean maybe Canelo wins and says, "Hang on a minute, I fancy that." Yeah, so you're in a, an odd spot. So you may as well have got him out. Now I wouldn't. I've got no interest in seeing Anthony Yard knock someone no. over. But if you are to the paying public, you'll probably see Anthony Yard's name. You're, okay, he's on the yeah. card. And mixed in with those two fights, he's got Isaac Lowe and uh, I forget Kikachi. the other. And yeah, I think both of those are a decent enough fights actually. 
if you have probably a couple of names spread out, you go, this is probably what Hearn would have produced, actually. Yeah, something like, um, and it's, it's bad that we're holding that up as a like a, a card as an example. Not, yeah, but not great. Well, some it? of those um, like fight camp ones where there was very sure. l- yeah. little star power, but you had like decent fights. I remember. Um, yeah, they had a good run. So like Zach Chelly against, and you had Joe Cullen on there. Not Joe, Jack, Joe Cullen. Jack Cullen against Zach Chelly. Yeah, yeah, Joe yeah, Cullen's yeah. a darts player. Game <laughs> <laughs> in. Game in, I thought, yeah. Um, question is. Smith Vargas on the Taylor Serrano card, or does Hearn have two cards on the same night? No, that's the same card. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. Okay, I quite good. like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, nice. that's you can't argue with that. With no. I think Hearn said it's the chief sport. Yeah, his. Let's face it. You look at some of the cards Hearn's put on, and he's had some stinkers, but invariably he'll have something a bit better than this card Frank's produced. Uh, but this is with the acceptance that the card was going to be a bit stinky because he put so much money into Fury White. We knew it wasn't going to be great. Yeah, just, we and also it looks thrown together because it was TBA till what? Uh, yeah, ten we, days ago. We we it were, all looks thrown together. We were at Frotch Groves too. That undercard wasn't giving us much. No, but but on paper at least you had Jamie McDonald, which is a world title fight. Wasn't that fun? But it was. Is it a world title fight? He then? already had the world title at that okay, point, I think. Long. So because so because Jamie McDonald was the classic one. If he said I've got a world title fight on the undercard, you're like right, I'll be Jamie McDonald then because yeah. you can squeeze him. Kevin Mitchell in the final eliminator. That was the one. Okay, I knew there was a. There was a fight that we were, okay. This is the Gale in obviously the final limit as the chief support isn't was bad. Mitchell, did he either get a robbery or did he win from behind? He struggled a bit and not a great fight and stopped him in like the eleventh. There I we think, go. So. Okay. And um, and you had Joshua there. Obviously yeah. Joshua Matt knocking over Matt Leg, but yeah. it's kind of got everything you but, kind of expected in that. You got the Frank doesn't, have, and Frank doesn't have that stable, does he? So it's like no. I don't know what we we're. Ex- I, I was expecting better, but. Um, because a lot of the guys that he would have had on it fight on these um, horrible MTK cards now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's lost like a number of them. So it would have been nice if we could have got like a Jamie Conlon fight on the card, like for old time's sake. And uh, Oh, Christ. I saw, and I just want to speak about the M- NBA playoffs before we finish, but yeah. I saw an interview with um, Molly McCann and she was on some like comedians podcast and she was, being asked um, about You're always a big fan of it, yeah, about her reaction to the elbow, um, where she was celebrating and the opponent was down and were like wasn't moving, <laughs> and um, the phrase she used was, um, "I didn't realise that I'd just completely Mick Conlander." <laughs> Bloody hell! And like I thought, I didn't. <laughs> Like, is that going to catch on? Like, <laughs> is that going to be? Oh, I think Conlon's. She she said uh, heavy night last night. I got absolutely Conlon. She said it was only. Um, she she said I'd gone and celebrated. And the first thing I thought was, "Where's Dana?" I didn't even know I was capable of putting someone down like that. And so I thought I'm going to go and guarantee myself um, fifty yeah, yeah. G's. Yeah, yeah. And she said it was only when I came back and I kind of um, held her foot and it wasn't moving that I just realised I completely Mick Conlander. <laughs> like I knew she was alive, but um, like I didn't know what what state she was in. Oh my god! <laughs> does it, does she have that relationship with Mick Conlander? Well, I, I don't like, think she does. No. Which is why I was like, I don't know, yeah. she must have been at the fight or like <laughs> she's like just trying to have this catch on. Jesus. Because I don't think she's, it's not like she makes her Lee Wood and it's like, okay, it's like <laughs> yeah, an inside yeah, joke there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I meant to message you, but it's just, I heard it and I was like, like they didn't really bat an eyelid maybe they didn't even know what she was referring to. Probably like, not, yeah. This is, this is weird. That's this outlandish. Is weird. Yeah. Um, 
so theory why what do you pick in theory decision theory? I'm going to say theory decision in um okay I think it will, I think it will liven up a little bit I think they will break out but and then yeah. theory will say hang on I don't need that and probably yeah say like the last four rounds easier. and go you know what I'll, and then it will be well I showed you everything I box move I can batter him and the whole works all I need to do is get to the undisputed fight exactly get those two dosses one of them whoever's they're getting it next <laughs> people people lap that up still remarkably yeah um all right just to finish then the nba playoffs have started and perhaps i mean we've got i was, I was just looking at what picks have made in that thing so yeah so i don't go back on myself um i've got you i've got your first round picks here actually nice. in front of me so nice. I, can, I can tell you. you can hold me accountable yeah i won't go through the whole kind of bracket but we had a good opening to the playoffs after start. a couple of games with the um, net Celtics. I think we said pre-game, and I think for most people, the pick of the round not the hottest of takes, was it? No, it was kind of like um, when you get like a good a Chelsea draw Liverpool in like the FA Cup third round, and it's like okay, this probably deserved to be like further later on. Line, in, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is the one that that's yeah. the TV schedule is definitely picking that one up in the scramble for seedings that was the East at the end where everyone was just going right try how can we like Milwaukee basically tried to avoid the Nets they had that thing with that game where they just had an injury list we like these players aren't injured <laughs> and, then, and in that scramble Boston have ended up in a, just a, a disgusting spot where you'd have to run through the Nets and the Bucks just to get to the Eastern Conference Finals yeah. just stupid the plus one is it does feel but the, the positive is that oh we went for it and we don't care who we draw is the way you build yeah. it it, it feels more open than usual in that we aren't just saying, okay, are the Lakers or the Nets going to win this? Or are the Lakers or the Clippers going to win this? Sure, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so even just looking down the list, I would say for the first round, we're largely, this is me, you, Sean and uh, Roz, largely similar, unanimously picked the Bucks, unanimously picked the Suns over the Pelicans, uh, split for Jazz Mavericks, unanimously Grizz, unanimously Warriors, split for... Um, Celtics Nets unanimously Heat, um, and Rory's pick Raptors over 76ers, which felt bold. He went I, bold. <laughs> felt bold when I saw it. Um, Sons are the bookies' favourites, but I guess you couldn't conclusively. It's not one where you'd. I'll, I'll put my house on that, or even like you wouldn't put your car on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're. Um... They're definitely. I think they've shown themselves to be the best all-round team this season. I think they've got depth as well, which they have added to. They've got the argument that they lost Chris Paul previously as well. So I when they went out, like you can yeah. say, well, you didn't see us. Booker's obviously got better again. Um, the Kendall Jenner effect. <laughs> they they've got the sort of. They seem to be on a revenge mission. They've got the motivation. I don't think they necessarily have to have Chris Paul to win it either, which is sign of the strength of them. But I don't. I'm not sat here thinking that Chris Paul won't get injured at some point in this playoffs, which yeah. nobody seems to be entertaining, despite the fact that he gets injured every other time. <laughs> yeah. I, no one seems to be entertaining this idea. Maybe they don't want to tempt fate, but it seems weird to me. Yeah. And as much as I say, I think they can beat a lot of teams without him. If they end up against the Bucks or whatever in the finals, that's a tough slog. His interview with um, JJ Redick was good that he did, I think it was last year, where he was speaking about that playoff run where he was saying about it, it took till like game three for them to realise he actually he can't shoot. shoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, but they had to have someone on him, like, just in case. <laughs> yeah, I saw him saying, like, why are they even bothering yeah. guarding me? Yeah. Um, so, 
because I think we can kind of go through the matchups as they happen maybe each Monday as the playoffs are going on we can dedicate a bit of time to it who do you have in the finals so I've not actually looked properly I've got Suns Bucks again I've got them running it back okay and you've got the Bucks Bucks you've got the Bucks winning okay I did see that because and, and I've seen a few people saying that and saying they'd pick the Suns this time. And I, I do agree that probably the better regular season team, they might even be the better constructed team, better built team. I still don't think they've got an answer for Giannis. Which well, seems, to, seems to just be getting totally overlooked how freakish this guy is. I did want to get Cam on today, actually, the return of the major. Mm. Um, but he's only just landed from America this morning. So I, I don't think still, he'd uh, want to jump on. Now I've got Suns Celtics... Oh, in, in if the Suns get to the final, they're taking the whole thing. So it's one of them, and I don't know if you do this. So when you do the bracket, if you say, okay, well, they went six here, so I'm not going to have them going six again because it's going to be a long series. going to have to get it done faster. I've got Celtics going seven in every series. It's <laughs> basically the thing. Well, I don't think they will, but I look at each series they have and it's like, Okay, am I picking you to get rid of the 76ers in six games? Am I get see, well, they, they would have to run through the Nets and probably the Bucks. Next so, six is Bucks is who I've got them going. So, as, yeah. That, as tough as a run. Well, it yeah. could be like, at this point, the final, you may be looking at that like, okay, we've, we've had our final already. Okay. Um, I actually hadn't thought about it like this until I was speaking with Cam yesterday. And he said, Nets in seven. And I said, well, I've got Celtics in seven. And he said, well, you're mental then. I said, well, it's a close thing. And he said, well, that means you're picking against KD and Kyrie in a game seven. And I said, I'll be honest, I hadn't actually thought about it, Lala. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I uh, I had thought that and I still did it. I don't know what I was thinking. As I was doing, I was thinking, I'm back against KD and game seven. I, yeah, and Kyrie, it's a good, it's a good shout. It's, um, and I said, difficult. he was like, they they can't let it go seven. Like, yeah. You need, I, you need it in six. I considered putting Boston in six for that reason. Um, six almost felt so, offensive. Yeah. So when I thought about, well, okay, maybe that feels, but then... It's pretty sound logic. But then looking at, like, Tatum is in KD, but at the same time, I don't see that he's going to shy away in the moment. I don't see that, like, these Celtics players look pretty much whether they're playing the regular season against the Knicks or whether they're playing in game seven against the Nets they seem fairly leveled yeah as we saw that with the decision making by um, Marcus Smart in the whole thing was unbelievable really if you look at the quick decision making of him to do that he could take the free initiative doesn't comes in could shoot again doesn't passes and I saw someone say if Tatum doesn't do the spitting he probably gets the foul for the contact so everything was just perfect in that time I don't think you've played much uh, 2k but what you have sometimes when you do the um, career is the computer almost, because when you're controlling one guy, it almost like does out a play for you. Right. So it's like you run to this dot here and then you run to this dot here and then you run to this dot here. And it was almost like that with the last play of the game yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Like it was, and I, if that had been drawn up in the huddle, that is more impressive than I thought. I don't see how you draw that up. You get these two guys to fake, you pass it in a spin move and then to the basket. So that's all. The wild thing being, obviously, they don't take a timeout. Is that they yeah. do just let them, the coach just let them, so right, you're going to run this. It's about as impressive as it could be. And, oh, I, 
it was one of them where you, you just yell out when yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, what the hell's happened to you? Yeah, my throat was killing afterwards. I just probably I let out a proper weird scream. Yeah, I, saw a, I saw a tweet from uh, Shea Serrano. Um, I think it was pre-game actually. It was like, I'm not asking for much this playoffs. I just want every single game <laughs> to go down to the last possession another buzzer beater to finish it off. <laughs> yeah. And that's pretty much what we all say. Sorry, <laughs> game basketball. Um, but when you get that, there's few things oh. like it. Down the fourth quarter, down the stretch, um, when you go and bucket for bucket and every single shot feels like, oh, we've lost it. Like, that's the game. That's yeah, the yeah. Game. Oh, it's unbelievable because there was a point where I was kind of half paying attention at the end of the third quarter and I thought there was the final seconds. So I must have been in a bit of my own zone. Um and okay, they were kind of gone out on a whimper, the Nets. And then as soon as the fourth quarter started, Kyrie was like, Not today. Yeah, yeah. As soon as he started doing the like boo hoo to the crowd, oh this this guy's a super villain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh god, yeah, he was on one. The, the concern obviously for Boston is you just went life and death and KD didn't really have a good no. game. So you go Kyrie can probably keep this up, KD can get better you might be in a bit of trouble. The garden was, you know, the atmosphere was as good in your favour as it could get and you just beat them. It's it's a long series. But on the other hand, like, when you've got someone like uh, Al Horford, who's kind of a uh, straight down the line, I know what I'm getting. When He's, you're missing like open dunks and things like that. Some of the, yeah, some of the layups. It, yeah, it was like, horrible. okay, Celtics, if they're given the nets like that again, they're probably up by double digits the uh, the I would have been even more bullish on the Celtics if Rob Williams hadn't got injured I think I might have picked them to go all the way but I think uh, there's a understand I think he probably comes back at some point if they can go further in the playoffs but he would have made a big difference yeah. to them on that end of things I think it is a tough one though because of like if you judge any team by what happens if someone gets injured then you're going to struggle to pick like any team yeah, but he to was, win. The Nets obviously him being injured have, coming in was the issue. Yeah, the Nets have the beauty of like when when they were saying like, and it only didn't really feel as real until it was the playoffs. And they're like, look, these role players, um, Patty Mills and Dragic and Seth Curry, and it's like these guys shouldn't be like the role players that you're relying on in your team. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they are they are freakish, but so the the. Celtics a bit cliche, but they felt like more of a team, and yeah, they, they are played the, out that way. They are the very well constructed team, and I think in Tatum Brown and Smart, they're going to go in each series and probably not be the best player, but they're probably going to be the best three. Well, we are going to figure out something off that. I'm sure there's so many trade offers that we don't hear about, and all through, uh, right up to the trade deadline, you would see things, and you would see so many superstars, and you would see like the likes of Lillard and. Uh, I think yeah. McCullum was being linked at one point, and it's always like, okay, well, like Marcus Smart, will we'll send him across, or Jalen Brown, we we can get him one of these superstars and these all stars, and we'll switch them out. And the the Celtics at like a GM level there have clearly said had to resist because yeah, I bet definitely. you've had some tempting offers come through, and then. There's I mean, a whole we're thing one at game one point. in, but when it pays off, then... There's a whole thing at one point, like Jaden Brown and Marcus Smart for Lillard. It's like, I'm not disputing how good Lillard is, but does that get stuck anywhere? Because they're defensively then going to be significantly worse. 
and they're gonna is he gonna make up for the points they're gonna get? Probably maybe just about, but the things they're gonna lose on the defensive end it's, it would never have been worth it. So they've got to dance with what they've got and try and work around what they've what they've got. And Rob Williams has had a bit of a coming out party this year as a, as a bigger guy, so it's kind of what needed. Horford's been better than I when they resigned. I was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and then he he's been better in, in Boston. So would you have felt better if you could have got um? Cantor back for the ride. Don't, oh, <laughs> didn't like it the first time round, let alone now. Christ. Uh, I think you mean freedom as well. I do. Um, so we said that you'd have to go through Nets, Sixers, Bucks, probably. Yeah, I mean, you Buc- said- Bucks, Bulls in the other one, so we'd have them next. You said I was a, a brave man picking Celtics to go the distance. Is it? Is anyone braver than anyone picking the Sixers and Embiid and Harden in the playoffs? I was hoping <laughs> that the Sixers would put a bit of a run together where people started really believing in them. And then I'd be like, no, 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 I'm not believing them at all. And they could be crushed. But as it is, they didn't really even have that. But yeah, as you said, Harden to go missing just seems a formality. I think Harden, like, he had a great first game or one of his first games with... Um, Sixes and Embiid says something like, "You know, I've I've never felt anything like this with with a player in my career." I mean, it's like, yeah, this is just never going to happen. Completely died off. Yeah, yeah, he'll go missing. Embiid's seemingly got over the injury hump, but I can't ever fully trust that. In, in, if I think of Embiid in the playoffs, I think of uh, that Kawhi shot. Oh God, that's and he's underneath. He's underneath. Devastating um, shot. It's, yeah. It's going to be interesting. I'm hoping we get some friendly tip-off times. To be honest, on the yeah, on the flip side of the draw, I do think the Suns benefit from. I think they'll have an easier run. You know, Pelicans first is is about as nice as you could have hoped for. I think they probably won't run into any trouble until they get presumably get their Golden State. And I think people have kind of got to the playoffs and realised, oh, hang on, they have got Steph Clay and yeah. Draymond here, so they are are a threat still. So I would pick the Suns to be. I think that's the first time it gets tough for them, but. Maybe that'll have a factor in as well. If they have an easier run there, then whoever comes out of the East is probably going to have to go for a real battle. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I've got the Heat and the Sixers playing each other, I think, and the Heat getting through it. And that's just a hard game for anyone. Yeah. I saw uh, Butler and Trey Young going at it, and I think that's a great, great little battle. I'm like the only Knicks fan that likes Trey Young, and that was because I liked him pre. The thing is, he's actually a really good villain. He plays a villain role so perfectly. Troy, Troy texted me. Um, close off and I said Troy texted me the other day and he was like have I he was like did I, did I miss something like he's like what what did Trey Young do to the Knicks and I was like well what you're going to understand is he actually was outrageous enough that he won yeah <laughs> yeah they didn't like that and it was that first game of the playoffs last year where essentially the criticism of Trey Young and also what makes him great is that he's going to take more shots than anyone on the court and you live or die by the amount he puts yeah. away and he's Once been he called wasteful hot. previously. And he just had a game where like he just couldn't miss. When, like, when he, he does get hot, it's insane. And the Garden then started chatting, fuck, fuck Trey, Trey Young. Young. <laughs> and then it was it was just curtains. He's it's like what we said about it, uh, Kyrie and he was doing the boo-hoo and uh, he was doing this, like, egging them on. And then when they closed out in game six, I think it was, he did um, like Triple G does, and he stood in the centre circle 
and he bowed to all four corners of the court. Sensation. Did you see what he did with the Cavs in the playing game? So the Cavs obviously got a young team, had a really good year. They're applauding their team off. They know they're losing, but not going in, but they're applauding the team off. And Trey Young's waving them off. <laughs> waving them. I was like, this is stupid. This is a guy leaning into it fully. Yeah, he, he's unreal. Like, I actually really like the Hawks jerseys as well. Like, I've been eyeing up uh, the yellow one they have with... Uh... The thing about him is as well, I think like, like the other... Obviously, they lost their first game. To them, and I think he... Under, in the playoffs, and I think he understands that, look, when this is great, I'm going to get all the plaudits. And when it goes wrong, I'm going to get hammered. I think he accepts that that's happening. That's the only part of the Kyrie thing I, I thought... I don't think he will have it both ways. I think with the... So I thought he gave a good post-match interview actually about the crowd situation with the crowd. But I think the way he was carrying himself in there, I love two-thirds of the equation. I love He played, he just kept getting better the more they booed. I loved how he went about it. But I did think he looked... Well, you know when he was doing the booing yeah. thing? I thought he looked like he was a bit sort of offended by it. Well, and whereas he, I think Trey Young likes the back and forth, I think Kyrie was a bit outraged. Well, he said, you before, must surely know. He said that, pre-game that I hope we can just bury the hatchet now, and it's like I don't think you know how sports works. No, but, and I would just prefer if he just the, leaned into it a little bit more actively in terms of yeah, fuck it, I'll be the villain. I think he played like he was. When him be, or LeBron can get booed by Cavs fans, like <laughs> you're never going to be safe. And there was a there was a clip of uh, he when he was walking to the dressing room on the way in and someone shouted at him and said, Kyrie, you suck. And he's like, suck my dick. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, all right, okay. <laughs> That's the one way you're going to get uh, the flack because I, you look you look emotional and you, you're well within your rights to say something back. Um, but when you do it on the court, it's just so much cooler because it's like these these people booing you, have, they they can do nothing yeah. other than... <laughs> the only thing I thought, you know, when he's giving them the bird or whatever, the thing thing, is if he had like a little wry smile with it, as it, I would like that because it'd be unreally into... Whereas I think he is a little bit sort of like, why are these people getting at me? Which I, Whereas, uh, for example, Trey, you know, he knows full well, I know why these people don't like me and I'm going to yeah. give them back. I saw someone say that like, Kyrie keeps doing anti- antagonistic shit and then acting shocked that they don't like yeah. him. It's like, well, they, they kind of got to have it both ways. They were they were tra- they were chanting um, about Trey Young's hair at, at MSG <laughs> and they were calling him like a bold bitch when they were chanting and they were chanting about his hair falling out and all of this. And uh, even still, he was like, oh, we'll see you in the next round. <laughs> he is, does not bother me one bit. Um, it's testament to Trey Young that you can be traded for Luka Doncic and that isn't continually held against you to the extent where... Yeah, good point. It could be. Because, yeah, I mean, people should be going to win. I mean, it's still I mean, going to be held more than it would for, as it would for anyone, but... But you can alleviate it a bit. Yeah. I mean, I've picked Jazz to beat the Mavs solely on Luka being injured. That's literally... Even if he comes back hoping that he's not... He's a bit compromised and the, yeah. I don't like the Jazz. It's funny that outside the Celtics and Nets as well, probably... The funnest match was probably the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. I think I had Jazz in the finals last year. Um, <laughs> I think you might have. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I really, I really liked them. The issue was, um, I didn't know what an asshole really go bear was <laughs> like when I kind of, effectively, as a fan of the Knicks, it was like they aren't going to be in the playoffs. I need someone to Something to, to try and root for, and so they were a bit different. To, All right, I'm just going to pick the Lakers or the Nets yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. the last couple of years and they've been fun to kind of uh, fun to watch but that's the first time anyone said that about the Jazz when Gobert was doing coughing on everyone's mics I was like oh, okay, I'd seen stuff before but because we're a bit further away 
I perhaps didn't quite understand. It's like, okay, this guy really just is an asshole. <laughs> Hopefully it sends uh, Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks, which is the... I've seen that, I've seen that's the latest dream that they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think outside of outside of Sexton, I think um, the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies is a fun matchup. John Rant's obviously always going to be fun. They're obviously the Timberwolves already taking early lead, so that's going to be interesting. I think we all yeah. picked the Grizzlies, didn't we? So yeah. be interesting to see that one. That's the other probably close matchup where you can go and get your teeth into outside of the other ones, which should be a formality, you would think, for most of those other teams. Yeah, all right. We'll uh, close that one up there about two hours 45 minutes <laughs> we've done the godfather christ in. uh so thank you again for listening on in line with that we've got a seamless godfather 2 against new jack city on movie madness this week so i'll be watching that this evening thank you for listening have a good bank holiday if you're listening to this today goodbye <laughs>